another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I am Mr. Warren Hayes, and I am welcoming you, as I said at the start, to the to this fantastic podcast about professional wrestling. Uh, thank you very much for being here. We're recording this on October 3rd. Spooky season is upon us. Uh, so that's why if you're watching this on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes right now, well, you're seeing all the spooky stuff. Or if you're watching the video on Spotify as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, you're not seeing a thing. But maybe I can talk like this. No, I, I absolutely will not do that. That will just annoy the shit out of everyone. But thank you for being here. If you are watching this on YouTube right now, uh, leave a like uh, and subscribe if you feel like it. That would be awesome. Uh, always appreciate those. And uh, and likes, uh, not like, well, yes, likes, but uh, uh, reviews, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and five-star ratings on Spotify also help grow the podcast tremendously, and I appreciate any support you can show on that front. Just like becoming becoming a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Um, if you do so, well, you get access to the members-only stream uh, that we do every Friday called Going Broadway, where we talk a lot with the members, and we just have a nice, good time talking about pro wrestling. Just a little extra content for members um, just to show some thanks and and it's also another way to show some support for what I do here so terribly appreciated if you want to do that um, of course per usual there is the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord that you can join link is in the description we always love to have people popping in and joining the community we have a nice little community going on if you, if you like that kind of stuff you're more than welcome to join in um, and, uh, and, and yeah a little programming note as we go forward of course I, uh, over the past couple of weeks I've you know there's a lot of stuff that ha- there's a lot of stuff that happened. I got ill last week as well, so it's been two weeks since I haven't done the podcast. So we go through a lot of stuff tonight. I think it's a fairly long episode of the Mr. Warren Hay Show, but hey, I missed you. You missed me, so here we are, and I'm feeling great. I'm feeling a lot better. So you, you know, I uh, back on my feet. So we're back to the regular schedule. On top of that, this Thursday, Dynamite review. This Sunday, the Collision review. But I will not be recording the Mr. Warren Hay Show next week on. Tuesday. I will be recording it on Monday because, you know, it's the title Tuesday thing next week. Um, There's too much going on with the NXT head to head and I'm not getting involved in that. We're going to be recording the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Monday. Now, I'll let you know if I'm going to record this uh, either live like I usually do or if I'm just going to record it offline and then upload it. I'll let you know. I'll let you know uh, uh, on Blue Sky, I'll let you know in the Discord, I'll let you know in the community tab on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, which is, which are the three best ways to keep abreast of all Warren Hayes related news and podcast news, you head on over there, any of those, uh, any of those uh, uh, places will have the info you need, but as for tonight, the info you need is, what are we talking about Warren, I'm glad you asked, we're reviewing Wrestle Dream, big review of Wrestle Dream. We're reviewing uh, NXT No Mercy 2023. Good review of that as well. And we're going to be previewing WWE Fastlane and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Destruction and Goku, which are all happening this weekend. But for now, we're kicking it off with the Weekly Wrestling Inspection. <laughs> But before we do anything else, we are going to start by reviewing <clears throat> AEW um, Wrestle Dream that happened this weekend, October 10, 
2023 from the Climate Pledge Arena over in Seattle, Washington, the Antonio Inoki Tribute Show. <laughs> what a tribute to Antonio Inoki. Uh, that was fine. The new era. The new era. You know, there's stuff sometimes. <clears throat> I'm glad Chad seems to have liked that. That's good. The 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 show. Um, there's there's stuff that um. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been watching wrestling for such a long time. You know when I can smell it when a promoter is promoting, right? And and I'm, so when Tony Khan goes out and says it's going to be a new era, he, he did that in a in like in a video package, right? It's going to be the start of a new era, and then people lose their minds. Like, what does this mean? HBO. Why would he announce HBO on his pay per view? First of all, <coughs> excuse me. I should have a cough button. <clears throat> You know, the, um, the, 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 the HBO thing, if it ever comes to pass, which it probably will, but if it ever comes to pass, they're not going to make the official announcement on a fucking pay-per-view. They're going to send out press releases, people. This is, you know, this is how the entertainment industry works. They're going to send, they're going to send it out to Variety and the Hollywood Reporter and, the, you know, not just fucking, you know, uh, not just the 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 the, the wrestling sites, and you know, not just the fightfuls and the wrestling inks and the post wrestlings and the wrestlenomics. Not just to not just to to us, basically. Not just to our little bubble. This is you know has major implications. They're not going to make a big announcement like that. On the, it's it's a business thing first and foremost. So a lot of people got and it. I was flabbergasted just how far the speculation went right down to some people being somewhat really convinced that AEW was purchasing New Japan Pro Wrestling. You want to talk about some leaps, brother? I could I could not and these were these were actual discussions happening well, that was a weird thing. Those were actual discussions happening in my in, in my environments, in in my haunts, if you will. Could not. I do not understand. <laughs> I don't. I don't know where any of that came from. <laughs> so. Listen, the new era, we know what the new era is all about now. Era. It's an, it is an era. <coughs> you know, <clears throat> I thought it was still Jay White's, but what do you want from me? 6,000 even, right? From WrestleTix. Let me give this a little, let me give this the, the, the little refresh. Excuse me. 6,771 tickets distributed. Uh, good final sprint there. Um... You, you, you know, not bad. I think the last time they were at the um, at the Climate Pledge Arena, though, like over nine thousand. I'm not doing a meme here. Over nine thousand. Um, over nine thousand uh, 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 people in the building. 
or at least tickets distributed. So, I mean, there's a big, uh, there's, there's, there's a gap nonetheless, but it, you know, it all goes along with the same tale that we've been, uh, that we've been experiencing with AEW right now in their, uh, their live attendance. It's just, it just hasn't been great. Now you can argue this is a new pay-per-view. It doesn't have for AEW fans. It doesn't have the, uh, the cachet, like a, maybe like a, a full gear will have, you know, the, the, the basic four, right? The full gear or even forbidden door, right? Forbidden door, full gear, all out, double or nothing. Those are all significant pay-per-view names for AEW fans. They know what to expect. Maybe this one, they were here, Wrestle Dream. What the hell is this? What are we getting ourselves into? So, you know, maybe it didn't have it. 6,771 distributed is much better than what they were, um, what where they were at coming in. But again, they went hard, uh, you know, uh, papering the, uh, the show. Uh, doing deals, you know, bogos and whatnot, um, packages, all that kind of stuff, and and they, you know, they should, you know, and that's okay. And and uh, look, I'm still very resistant, terribly resistant, to the suggestion that AEW, uh, that AEW is turning their fans away because the ticket prices are so high. And, and I still don't believe that that is a deterrent. I still do not believe that ticket prices, high ticket prices are a deterrent. Because the thing here is that you could have gotten into this show right here, Wrestle, Wrestle Dream. You could have gotten into this show for 20 bucks. Because anyone who tries to argue, first of all, I, points that I've made in the past, I'm just going to reestablish them for the foundation of what I'm trying to say here, and then we'll move on, I promise, because I do want to get to the show much more. There's a there's a, a lot of juicy elements to get into here. Um, if you have a hot product, people are going to people are going to pay money to be to to attend your hot product. It's just as simple as that, and you see it right now with WWE, which has the the feeling of being a hot product, so people are shelling out big bucks for it. UFC is going to Madison Square Garden, and the bleachers are $900 a ticket, okay? So people will buy the tickets at the price they are if you have a, if you have a hot product. But as it stands right now, people are still not going to the show as much as they used to there's the the little variable here despite the tickets being the you know at the last minute here being 20 25 30 50 bucks not 240 for nosebleeds or shit like that and then like that so if people really thought that this was a hot product and people were really into going to this show they would pop in, right? And that's probably what a lot of people did here because I'm. it seems like walk-up business was fantastic once again. And that's probably what a lot of people did. Waited last minute, got in for 20 bucks. So I don't buy it. I don't buy the excuse that the ticket prices are too high. I just don't. Because the market for live shows proves otherwise. If you have a hot act, people will pay out the ass to see it. And if you start discounting, if you, 
And and then when you get into an, a, an environment where you have to start discounting, if you if you you a wrestling fan in this circumstance are still not going despite the tickets being dirt cheap, then it's not the ticket price that's the problem. So I, I can't entertain the argument that the tickets are too pricey. I, 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 I can't entertain it. It doesn't make sense to me. And we have these arguments all the time in the Discord. I guess that's why they call it Discord. <laughs> Where people are, well, I can't buy a pay-per-view every fucking week. Well, let's talk about the pay-per-views, right? Let's talk about the pay-per-views. Tony Khan at the at the presser said, what did he say? A thousand... He said that the show buys were up from all out in terms of pay-per-view buys and that they got over 100,000. 100,000, 100,000 for, uh, uh, for uh, this thing, Wrestle, Wrestle Dream. Uh, I think the estimates right now are somewhere between 80 to 90,000 for all out. And all in was like, what, 190,000? Brother AW just sold like over 3,000, 300,000 pay-per-views over the scope of three, is it five, six weeks at the most. Okay. Again, the argument that people will not be able to buy the pay-per-views all the time still doesn't hold water. Because effectively... In the same period, in the same period this year as opposed to last year, they sold twice as many pay-per-views. Sure, over three shows, don't get me wrong, but they doubled the amount of pay-per-view buys. So what are we doing? The, uh, you know, there's a lot of arguments coming from well-intentioned pundits out there who, who who project a lot of their situation into their analysis of business decisions that wrestling promotions make. So maybe said pundit is a little strapped for cash. Maybe they're very comfortable with the $60 price point four times a year pay-per-view for, uh, for AEW and they're like, this is fantastic, right? Because it's... It's not stretching the budget. You know, maybe they're students. It's just starting off. I don't know. Like, I don't want, whatever the particulars are. But a lot of people project this and say, since I am capable to afford four pay-per-views a year and the idea of having more a year isn't good for my budget, then I don't think it is a good idea. I think AEW is making a poor decision. Whereas... The analysis, the demographics, like the actual marketing data that we're not privy to, but that Tony Khan and Mookie have, is that da- that data probably shows that there are people ready to pay for every pay-per-view that they got. Or if not every pay-per-view that they'll be able to live around 100,000 comfortably, they have all this da- data, they have the models, the, the economic models, they've done everything convinced to make this decision but a lot a lot of analysis that this this is why i i i i i talk very loud when i get into these situations because i feel like i'm making sense because i feel like i'm looking at facts 
As opposed to just saying, well, I can't do this, so no one else should be able to do it either. That's not good analysis. This is business analysis. We're looking at what's going on right now, and the numbers that we're reporting right now are not showing that people cannot purchase multiple AEW pay-per-views within a stretch of time. Yes, we were all expecting all out, the, the all out numbers to be slashed as opposed to the all in numbers because the shows were one week apart. But we're like, what, three weeks, four weeks? Three weeks, four weeks, I'm terrible. Four weeks removed from uh, from all out and we're up to 100,000. Like we're still in the same, we're still in the same boat <clears throat> for a pay-per-view that has no real name value, no brand value to the AEW fan base. I think these are good decisions. Oh, 300,000 pay-per-view buys in five weeks. I think that's pretty good. I don't think this is a failure in any sense of the imagination. Any way, shape, or form. And here's the thing. No one expects you to buy every AEW pay-per-view. No one expects you to do that. Which is why Tony Khan has to build good cards to get you to buy some. Maybe you were like, oh, I'm going to skip WrestleDream and save my money for, uh, for full gear. Which is also fine. And why wouldn't you do that? Because full gear is an actual name pay-per-view for this company. So you're like, eh, I'm going to put my trust in that. I feel like that's going to be a bigger show. I mean, WrestleDream turned out to be a pretty solid fucking show. But, you know, just off of the name, you're like, I don't want to invest in this. I don't know what this is. I am not going to give 60 bucks into this show that I know I don't know anything about. What, what are we doing here? Darby Allen, Christian Cage, that doesn't scream main event for me. Like, all things that I can understand. And then you're like, ah, I'm good. We're going to go full in on uh, full gear. There you go. Then maybe the people who didn't, who did buy Wrestle Gear, maybe they're going to skip. Uh, Wrestle Dream are going to skip full gear. Excuse me, I'm getting all confused. Maybe they'll skip the next one because they're like, yeah, I can't buy them every month. Which is fair. It's crazy how this decision to put on more and more pay per views give bigger paydays for pro wrestlers, uh, allow the company to make more money, seems like an affront to wrestling fans who are like, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe that they want to, that they want to break out of the, that they want to break out of the four pay-per-view a year mold. What about, what about me? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's not all about you. So while, while I think the attendance is fine by AEW's current standards, it's still nothing to, I don't think it's anything to, to, you know, pat yourself on the back with, you know, and be like, hey, success, pal. You know, the upper deck of the Climate Pledge Arena all tarped off. I mean, you know, the, you know, the, it's not fantastic looks. But despite that, the pay-per-view business in your boy's opinion, is doing fine. 
Tony Khan also, if we if we run through really quickly a few uh, a, a few notes. Hey, Jason Major, nice to see you. I'll breathe when I damn well want to. <laughs> Member of the Mr. Warren Hay Show, Jason Major, good to see you and uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, at the presser, Tony Khan also added that uh, um, Wrestle Dream would be the first in an annual tradition for the company, which would give, uh, as it stands right now, seven... Regular pay-per-views a year for AEW. Uh, Revolution, Double or Nothing, Forbidden Door, All In, All Out, Wrestle Dream, Full Gear, right? All In, All Out, Wrestle Dream, Full Gear, yes. Seven. I, I Look, I'm an English major. What do you want from me? Um, so, uh, but uh, while Tony said that... Uh, um, Wrestle Dream would be an annual tradition. He did not specify as to whether they would be back in Seattle next year or not. Still, there we go. So there were other things, you know, in, in the presser which I thought were very were fine, you know, but no, nothing I felt like you could really sink your teeth into. Good stuff, but let's let's get instead to the show here. Let's start with the pre-show, the zero hour. That started off with uh, Athena, Billy, Starks, Keith Lee, and Satoshi Kojima. <laughs> I still can't believe that was the team. I, like, did they go... I hope these people went to have dinner together before the match. Just to, you know, get to know... Just to try and see what kind of common ground they can fall on here. Just... Fantastic. Anyway, these four defeated uh, Mercedes Martinez, Diamante, and uh, Shane Taylor and Lee Moriarty in a uh, an eight-person mixed uh, tag team rules match. I think it was good. Uh, yeah, look, we're gonna, we're, we're, you know, we're gonna get through the the, the, the pre-show fairly quickly. I'm not gonna necessarily break everything down, but I enjoyed this. I thought it was fun. Um, even had. Um, Athena getting the <coughs> getting the the O face here. Listen, you got to get Jr. off a of commentary. Like he is just he's a not only is he a bummer because the first because all that he talks about is how referees are always losing control of these matches. I couldn't give a fuck if ref, if ref, if the match is fun and dynamic shit is happening in the match. I couldn't give a shit if the referee is losing control. That is the last thing I want to hear. Plus. He also showed it doesn't keep up with the product. He's like, I'm excited for Athena to go on a big run here. Jesus Christ. One last note. I think it's funny that Satoshi Kojima was on an Antonio Inoki tribute show. I, I, the irony of this <clears throat> was not lost on me. The long and short of it, in case you, just in case uh, you're not quite uh, in on the history, is that when Inoki started bringing in the shooters to convert New Japan into the era of Inokiism, you've probably heard about that, Satoshi Kojima was there and he hit the bricks. It was like, I am not going to shoot wrestle shoot actual shooters i'm not doing this so he went to all japan and uh he went to all japan 
with a couple of others, great Muda, and uh, had a fantastic career there, right up until New Japan, when Inoki was out the door, was like, you gotta come back, man, we need you back, we are in dire straits here. <laughs> so, those are the cliff notes, but I, you know, there's something very funny about it. Claudio Castagnoli defeated Josh Barnett. I like this a lot more than I thought I was going to like. Because I am, I'm 60-40 on Josh Barnett. 60% of the time I like it, 40% of the, I don't. This is very personal, okay? Uh, Josh Barnett is a combat sports legend. I, I, I can't take any away from him, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not, there's some people who are 100% sold on him. Uh, a lot of people, he's divisive. There's people who absolutely can't stand the guy. I'm 60-40. Like, there's... Overall, I, en- I, I, I I enjoy him more than the opposite. But there are moments where I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man. You know. So, this is- so but I, I enjoyed this. Like, this is in the 60% here. Good grappling, strong stuff. I even chuckled when, when Barnett took the big swing. And Jesus Christ, he did not want to take the neutralizer. Do you see how he landed? <laughs> he, he was he was like, nope, this is not on my bump card tonight, pals. So uh so and yes, Mox on commentary was a delight. Uh, the entire evening. Just just fantastic stuff. So that happened. When I went, when when we were watching this in the Discord, link is in the description. Join the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Discord. When we were watching this in the Discord, you know, I, I I throw up a poll in the Discord. It was like, will Josh Barnett go into business for himself? With four options, twenty five. Uh, no, not will. Uh, uh, what are the odds that Josh Barnett? Yeah, that's that's it. What are the odds that Josh Barnett is going to go into business for himself? And then I put up four. Four answers. 25% chance, 50%, 75%, 100%. Note, I didn't put 0%. And, and I throw it up there, and no one exactly knows what to do with it. And they're like, what? And there's even, like, I can't remember who, but a couple of people were like, what? What are you talking about, Warren? You know, it's like, going to business for himself? And that's why I, sometimes I realize that, you know... My, I know too much stupid shit about pro wrestling. Like my brain is is rotted <laughs> with all of this knowledge. This the the the, the, the knowing these anyway. So so we're we're so the poll happens and not many. But God, as my witness, I am convinced that that promo that he cut, he being Joffrey Barnett. After that he cut after the match, I'm sure, 100%. No, I don't want to say 100%. Let's go with the 60-40 again. I am highly convinced. Highly convinced feels like a 60% chance, right? I am highly convinced that the content of that promo was not approved by anyone backstage, that no one knew exactly what he was going to talk about. I would even go as far as to say that the promo wasn't even planned, that it wasn't on the run sheet. Uh, Tony's backstage on in Gorilla, and he's like, and he's looking at his notes. What the, what the what the hell is he doing? And what are you gonna do? You're gonna you 
You're going to tell, you're going to send your ref, you're going to send Bryce Remsburg with a little, you know, with a little earpiece or whoever the fuck. And you're going to say, Bryce, go tell Josh Barnett he has to get out of the ring. Do you think, you know what I mean? Viking man, you know, Josh Barnett fucking calls, you know, the war master. Bryce, excuse me, sir. You got Bryce Remsburg there. Come on now. So, I look, I am convinced that he he threw down uh, the opportunity to get booked again. Where he's like, because the, the post-match promo was surreal. Surreal is the word I used in my notes. Surreal. Completely surreal. Where he's got... Claudio Castagnoli there and he's saying you got me this time kid you know, like he's doing one of these he's like ah, ah, you know and if you keep working you know maybe next time when you fight me when you fight the war master again maybe you'll beat him another time but I you know what was he saying he was saying something to the effect of you took some of my time tonight but I'm gonna want it back like he's booking himself a match with Castagnoli down the road and he's going to turn around because this is what he do that. This is what he's going to do then. And he calls Tony Khan. And he says, well, look, why don't you send your Castagnoli boy? I mean, the fans are expecting it. We talked about it. We, we did a, we cut a promo on it. You know, like this, this did not happen by accident. <laughs> and there was no, I would be shocked if Tony Khan had this long-term plan set out for a, you know, a, a, a feud between Claudio and, and fucking Josh Barnett. And he's talking to Claudio. This is the thing. He's like, he's talking to Claudio like he's out of the gate. And he said it himself. He's like, I heard a lot about you, you know, mocks and what the fuck, you know. Like, he's admitted, I've never seen you. I don't know who you are. I've heard a lot about you, though. But I don't know who you are. Anyway, you're pretty good. You're pretty damn good at what you do. I'm like, motherfucker. Like, there's, they're like, and he's talking to him like he's a kid. And Claudio... He, Claudio was there, he's gone, yes, yes, thank you, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, and they're like three years apart, like Barnett is what, 45? Barnett is like 45, Claudio's like, he's in his early 40s, 42, 40, like at the most, at the, at, at the worst, there's like five, they're five years apart, I, like, I, it was, it was, spectacular spectacular stuff that's some carny shit right there so I put out the poll in the discord asking what are the odds Josh Barnett is going to go into business for himself and I feel confident that he went into business for himself I'm taking a victory lap on that one God, wrestling is weird and awesome. Hey, Conrad from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast. Nice to see you, pal, and welcome. Luchasaurus defeated Nick Wayne. Fine little match. Good beat down that uh, Luchasaurus delivered here. Throw us off the scent. No, I actually thought this was pretty good. Good, uh, good big man, 
little men. And, you know, Luchasaurus just, you know, beat the shit out of him. See, Barnett, Barnett is 45, Claudio's 42. See, and he, uh, anyway, I said my piece on that. It was just, I know, it's, it was an amazing segment. It's an, it was an all-timer. Motown Slim, good to see you and welcome. Let's keep going through this, uh, the, 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 the pre-show here. I really want to get to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, AEW World Trios title match where the acclaimed Billy Gunn successfully retained against the TMDK trio of Mickey Nichols, uh, Shane Haste, and Bad Dude Tito. <laughs> I Fantastic to have Bad Dude Tito on AEW, don't get me wrong. Um, I, look, I thought this went on a little long, but it was fine. I, I, I got nothing for you, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And look at that, Motown Slim just became a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. Thank you so much here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Motown Slim, brand new member. Welcome, pal. Hope to see you on Fridays for the members-only stream called Going Broadway. Yeah, that's right. Members get that shit. <laughs> Let's get into the nitty-gritty here. Ring of Honor World Tag Team 2-on-1 Handicap Match. MJF successfully retained the titles uh, by defeating the Righteous. So, um, I did not like this. <laughs> At all. <laughs> I really didn't. I really, really didn't. And I really think MJF is entering his Triple H phase. Of his of his tenure in AEW, um, and don't get me wrong, MJF is much more charismatic, uh, more entertaining than H ever was, and hell, he's a better pro wrestler uh, than than Triple H ever was as well. But I I was completely disillusioned by this match. It's not for me. Uh, the audience really seemed to like it, but uh, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago on the on a dynamite review that when when the the dynamite review when Adam Cole got injured, I told you all there that because of how kooky and goofy this whole angle was, that it was entirely possible that MJF was going to come into this match and defeat the tag team and, 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 and retain the titles, right? I told you that it was possible. But even in my predictions, even in my headcanon, I didn't get the chance to do proper predictions here, but, uh, or, you know, do a proper preview of the show. But when I was thinking about it, look, wouldn't it be more interesting if MJF did, tried but the seasoned tag team just could not get the job done. Because, why? They're a tag team. A, a tag team that has been wrestling together for years. They have chemistry. You know, they're, 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 they're very close. And they're fighting one guy. They should be, like the experienced tag team should be able to take out one dude, right? So I'm like, 
And wouldn't this be much more interesting? This would be an actual really interesting story bump in the Brochacho stuff. Where MJF has to tuck his tail between his legs and go back to Adam Cole. And be like, brother, I'm really sorry. I know how much these titles meant to you. And Adam Cole would be like, yeah. But you decided to go out there and do this by yourself, right? Wouldn't that be... Isn't that just adding a little conflict to story? Isn't that what good storytelling is? And you know what? MJF wouldn't have looked like a goof. It would. No one would have been like, wow, I can't believe you're world champion. You know, have the... There's a way to have done this for MJF to have eaten complete shit. You could even have had, you know, the fucking um, kingdom get involved too if you really wanted to protect MJF from top to bottom, right? But now look, I, to me this is, we're jumping the shark here in this, <coughs> in this bro chacho stuff, which, and, and I always feel I have to reiterate this, especially if there's anyone new listening. You know, the, the skits, I don't like. Max knows this. I don't like the skits. I don't like the I don't like the skits the, you know, the, the that they do the pre tapes and all of that. The fishing for Captain Insano and the 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 hot uh, the hot spicy stuff and the trampoline and all of that. I think I, I think they're bad. I don't think it's funny. But everything that happens in the when these guys <clears throat> start getting mics. And start cutting in-ring promos or backstage interviews and stuff. Then the story starts to get richer. Then there's stuff that's actually happening that I, that I feel I can cut my teeth on. And I'm like, ah, this is good stuff. But now I feel now I feel we're overreaching. Now I feel like. Now I feel like I'm watching stuff from the other company, WWE, in case you're wondering. And it and it bugs me because this is the kind of stuff that turned that turns me that that turns me off of WWE because it happens all the fucking time. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. So I don't. I that's why I don't watch the weekly world wrestling entertainment product for exact matches like this, for stuff like this. I know there's a lot of people. Who are going terribly overboard on this and saying, you know, it's the worst thing ever and it sucks. And, it's, and, and I agree to a degree. You know, I I think, as I said, and I, I, this is still a position that I hold. AEW has always had the, 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 the position where they're going to give everyone a little bit of different styles of wrestling. There's going to be a little bit of something for everyone. You're going to get your big heavyweight slap fights. You're going to get your insane PWG shit. We're going to throw in some lucha in there. We're going to throw in some Japanese style since a lot of our guys came from New Japan. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of different styles for a lot of different tastes. Sports entertainment is a style of pro wrestling that a lot of people seem to enjoy. Right? The problem that I have here is that this is the world champion who is involved in this. If this was a mid-card act, if this was, I probably wouldn't be spending half the time I'm spending right now trying to talk about this. But your world champion is involved in this 
goofy nonsense in this. And the title is being lost in the shuffle here. The title doesn't feel important. For the first time in AEW's history, their world title, a title that they have booked extremely well, that they have protected even to a degree, that they've only put on stars. And don't get me wrong, MJF is a superstar. This doesn't change how I feel about, about MJF. Au contraire, this is criticism that I'm giving this guy and Adam Cole because they're better than what they do here. You know, when they were better than you, Bebe, well, you're better than this, Bebe, as well. They're much better than this. And we know Max can be better. We know, Ma we know Max can do anything at this point. He's such a versatile wrestler. And it's wild to think that we've come to this point of this story with where we're now we're just infused with WWE isms within the match you know all this you know a goofy match structure that doesn't make sense and then you have the main guy the Triple H type figure plowing through tag teams now all by himself he doesn't need a partner you know all this shit that's been done that I've that I've never liked I'm not going to start liking it here but it's wild that we've come to this point when this match, this, excuse me, this feud started off the back of a tremendous match. The rematch, the time limit draw that Cole and MJF went to on Dynamite. Tremendous, like an, an absolutely mind-bogglingly tremendous match. And since then, it's been... The in-ring has been not just secondary, it's been uh, not even an accessory. It's been just anything else but a pro wrestling match. I can't get back, I can't get into that. I really don't. I left, I stopped watching WWE because I couldn't handle it anymore. I'm not going to come here and tell you. Oh no, this actually works, guys. This I actually like. I don't like it. This is WWE schlock that I'm not in, that I am not into. And how can you, because, and I know a lot of you freakazoids out there, and I say the term, I use the term lovingly, don't get me wrong. A lot of you out there then turn around and tell me, you know, oh, I can't watch WWE, it's, it's just awful. But then you're going to turn around and you're going to say, oh, this is so great, it's funny, what a fantastic, and I'm like, well, then go watch WWE. <laughs> You're going to enjoy WWE probably more than you think. And this is the things that, just to underscore this and then to move along because this was such a nothing opener and a nothing burger and I'm thankfully it got out of the way really, really quickly. Um, I'll tell you what makes this worse. Just to underscore this really, really clearly. It, this makes, this irritates me tremendously because MJF is such a tremendous pro wrestler. And I will, I, I will stand by my analysis of everything that MJF does, the, the, everything that I've said about, because it's all true. He is, he is the most complete 
package of a 2023 pro wrestler that you can find out there. A superstar, not just a wrestler. A true-to-form Oxford Dictionary uh, definition superstar. This, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't get into it. I chastise the other place for doing this kind of stuff. I, I would not feel responsible if I were to come here and tell you, no, 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 this is actually great. Because it, it, it's not. It's the same. And Max is better than this. And Adam Cole is better than this. I don't know where this is going, but this I, I'm completely disinterested now. This is a jump the shark moment for me. Ring of Honor World title and the New Japan Strong Openweight title were both on the line, but Eddie Kingston successfully retained both by defeating Katsuyori Shibata, who just so happens to be the Ring of Honor Pure uh, champion as well. Tremendous match. I thought this was fantastic. Um, and after the opener, this was exactly what we needed. Um, you know, Eddie Kingston's 2023 has been a fantasy tour, right? If we're being honest, like he's doing, he's wrestling in Japan. He's, uh, you know, he wrestled at Corkin. He won a, a title in Japan. He met his hero. And now, like, he's, now he's in the ring with Katsuri Shibata, another guy he's, uh, he's been itching to, to, to step into the ring with and uh like he's on cloud nine he's doing everything he's doing all of his pro wrestling dreams and uh good for him honestly and i feel like i feel like in this match shibata is kind of coming back to form right don't you didn't you feel like this you know like he was eating back fists and he was getting a little rugged himself you know not as it wasn't a, well, let's do some grappling because we got to be careful. No, like he was bumping a little more, felt a little grittier. I'm like, okay. All right. A little bit of the, little bit of the, the, the very essence of the wrestler here, but like, don't get me wrong. You know, uh, 2016 Katsuyori Shibata is, he's gone, you know, he's buried. We're never getting that guy back, you know, uh, but uh, definitely the most, I guess, the best, the best term I can use is rugged. The, the most rugged Shibata match that I've seen since his comeback. Um, already almost, not a full two years, right? When he did the, 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 the grapple match with um, Zack Sabre Jr., that was the exhibition, and then he had the Wrestle Kingdom match with uh, with Narita. Yeah, no, but this was definitely like no one, you know. Yeah, and of course I was like, oh shit, you know, the back fists, Eddie like swinging for the head. I'm like, come on, Eddie, you you know the story here. <laughs> don't uh, don't do this on purpose. No, but hey, this was very good. This was tremendous, actually. Um, Enjoyed it. Great match. Um, then we had the AEW TBS title match where Chris Statlander successfully retained her title uh, against uh, Julia Hart um, in a match that I thought over-delivered. I thought this was going to be an all-out carry job by Chris Statlander. Uh, 
because I look Julia Hart still super green, still super young, and and I was not convinced that she was the person to get the job done here um, in any way, shape, or form. And you know, and and I was wondering legitimately if Chris Statlander was the woman who could carry her because I that's what I thought was going to happen here I was like okay well Statlander's gonna have to carry her to a to a good match here and I wasn't convinced that Statlander would would be able to do it but not only did Statlander was Statlander a good ring general on this because I can't say this was a carry job Julia Hart did manage very well here and I'm gonna tell you um you know we're talking about her improving because she has been she she's been improving look she's not a, again I don't think she's she's a, a a top tier wrestler yet I don't you know I think she still has a lot of uh, a lot of polishing a lot of finishing school if you know if you want uh you know I I still think her fundamentals there's thing there's stuff that isn't quite there yet right uh, you know, her striking, her punches. I, you don't see her punch much. I don't know. Yeah, there's some stuff where I'm like, well, there, there's some gaps here. But she commands presence. She, you know, her positioning is good. Her 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 stance, her in-ring work. A lot of basics down. Don't get me wrong. And this is elevated by her becoming more confident in her persona. She comes out and she commands the room this is something that we will be talking about later on in another show but she has grown since she started and she was put in this spot and a spot that I thought was maybe you know that maybe she wasn't quite ready for prove me wrong and look I'm not trying to say here that we had a five-star classic far from it but this wasn't this wasn't in the dumps either. This was not a terrible match. This I thought this was very good. Like if you know a 3.5, 3.75 star match if you want me to, you know, verbalize it as such. I thought this was very good. And a lot of people were disappointed that she was lost. But listen. You know, again, I have to be consistent in my criticisms here. If I criticize WWE for putting women, uh, you know, their 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 younger recruits into positions that they might that they might not be ready for, and push them like throw them into the throw them more than into the deep end, but like in there with the sharks kind of thing. But they, you know, you throw them in with the sharks with you know buckets of chum attached all around them and they can't even swim yet well they're gonna sink and they're gonna get eaten alive I don't mind that Julia Hart lost the title here I think putting the had they done that I think they would have done her a disservice let her cook some more let this let this simmer get to a royally a rolling boil before and and, and pull the, the 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 trigger on a title on a big time match when she's ready for the spot when she's undeniable 
And that makes it even sweeter rather than throwing a title on someone because right now, you know, they feel like the hot thing. You want to go with the hot thing. And everyone has buzz and everyone goes, oh, she's so good. She's so good. And everyone props her up because they have this headcanon of her. And then she's over, overstating her, 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 her star power, her position. And then when she gets into a position where she has to shine, where she has to deliver as a champion, as a top, as the top person in the division, they fail. And then we're back down the ladder and sometimes it's harder to, it's harder to come back from that type of situation than this. Losing a, a, you know, a title opportunity match while you are growing as a pro wrestler, it's not a big deal. This is something we can revisit, we can go back to. Julia Hart isn't, she's like 21, 22, something to that effect. Uh, like, you want someone who's got, who's, the, the world is their oyster. Like she is, if she continues developing the way, the way she is, she's going to be a tremendous part of pro wrestling in a couple of years. She's going to be an undeniable factor of it. Because she's developing the star power. And if she continues to develop her in-ring, it's going to be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Hey, we've got Echo Flair. Echo Flair Music who's here with us. Nice to see you, brother. Brother Ben, nice to see you. Welcome. And we have the AEW World Tag Team title number one contendership four-way match where the Young Bucks defeated the Guns, the Lucha Bros, and... Orange Cassidy and Hook. This was my, um, this was my, this match happened match of the night. Um, like, if you listen to this more than enough, you know that this is not my type of match. Um, I, I always have problems with like four-way tag team matches. There's just, there's, a, you know, first of all, Aren't they by default no disqualifications? Why do people even tag in? It doesn't matter, right? Like, it's all a big cluster anyway. I don't know. Like, stuff happens. The work was good, I guess, but nothing to sink your teeth into. And we're going back to the Bucks and FTR once again, and I'm very chill with that. I'm very, very chill with that. I, I can't underscore enough that right now, with, you know, attendance issues, I think AEW has to go back to what brought people to the dance to begin with. And that includes putting the Bucks back in a top spot in the company when it comes to the tag team division. A, a, a reinvigorated, exciting tag team division. That's what we want. And that's something that brought people to the company to begin with that helped, <clears throat> that helped set it apart. And this is very important. This is something that AEW can't lose sight of. It has to be able to make sure that it stays an alternative and not a copy of, a, an alternative to and not a copy of WWE is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, and the idea, look, and, and, and the Bucks were, you know, homegrown indie superstars finally on the big stage. Guys like Adam Page, guys like Kenny Omega, um, all these people 
that were the the attractions, the building blocks, and MJF, Darby, all these these day one folks who were not necessarily affiliated with WWE, but are you know that that were not affiliated with WWE, and, and ended up on the main stage and helped create this new refreshing vision of pro wrestling. We've got to go back to that. We've got to put these people back in in this position. So this. Having the Bucks go back, go revisit FTR for the four, for the fourth time has to be the moment that the Bucks get the titles back and go on a proper legend run. They have to. Not no pussyfooting around. And 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 here's you know here's the things like I, there's folks you know going around saying, but they're already Ring of Honor champions. You know why would they would they be? No, they're just being greedy and they're going after the AEW titles and whatnot. I'm like, look, last year we had FTR going around winning all the tag team belts and people were like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Why is it that the Bucks are greedy? Why wouldn't the Bucks, why couldn't the Bucks, the Young Bucks, the Jacksons, greatest tag team of the 2010s, I'd say even the past 20 years, guys who reestablished, who established a new way of, 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 of tag team wrestling in North America, why wouldn't they go off on a uh, on a belt collector run on their own and have their own legacy uh, run? Why wouldn't they be able to do that? Why shouldn't they do that? The other guys did. That's what they talk about a lot. Legacy, legacy, legacy. And this is the Young Bucks fucking company. They, you know, this is this is their sandbox. It's their playground. Why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't... I would want nothing less than the Bucks of old just coming in, tearing house, bringing everything down, collecting belts right and left. So I don't give a shit if they're Ring of Honor trios champions. Give them the, give them the, the Ring of Honor tag team champions on top of that and the AEW ones. Then go to Japan and do the IWGP titles. Do them all. <clears throat> why shouldn't the Bucks, why should the Bucks at this point in their career be second or third tier behind any other tag team in their own company? Like, I know they've done a lot of things just to be, just, you know, to be good guys, Putting over private party, taking a back, you know, a back seat to a lot of folks. Not trying to, uh, to be too you know, glory hogs. I think they can be glory hogs. I invite them to be glory hogs. It's not as if the tag team division right now in AEW is all that exciting. Well, let's give a foundation to make it exciting. One of the best fucking tag teams of all time. The best tag team of the past twenty years. Phoenix, Ray Phoenix in this match played off an injury, seemed to have been hurt, but apparently he wasn't fully cleared for the match. They just wanted him to go do a, uh, to go do a, a thing, you know, to, 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 to do a thing to sell the, the injury and then get the hell out of Dodge kind of thing, you know. Um, so, you know, he wasn't injured in the match. He just wasn't fully cleared. 
an Orange Cassidy, man. What are we doing? Like I. This is what I. This is what I. 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 I feared. When it comes to Orange Cassidy's booking, right up until losing the uh, the uh, international title, this is what I feared: that there would be no follow up, and there's no follow up. And I look, I've said it, and I'm on record. Him tagging with Hook is a step down. Oh, it's elevating Hook. No, it's not. What whatever they did here. Did not elevate Hook. They didn't look good in defeat. They didn't win the match. There's no elevation here. Orange Cassidy going from fighting with John Moxley being one of the hottest built guys in the company, a, a, a career run with the uh with the international title. A, one of the one of the best uh, uh one of the best championship runs of all of 2023 you can even go back to 2022 but all of 2023 and he, he big main event match big pay-per-view John Moxley looks strong believable in defeat and he's back he is all the way back down on the card teaming with a prelim guy in hook And this is what I was afraid of. And you can go back and listen to what I was saying during the reviews, on the podcast. I'm consistent. I was convinced that they were going to take Orange Cassidy off television, have him sell the injury, disappear for months, only to have him come back like in February right in time for revolution and challenge Mox challenge Mox for the international title get the big rematch get the win keep him off TV people he comes back people are twice as excited to see him people lose their shit becomes a moment becomes a match in an instant top tier match but no he shows up on dynamite He's been showing up on Dynamite every week doing jack shit. This is not this is not helping him. It's not keeping him on the level that he was at. Now he doesn't feel as strong. He doesn't feel as interesting. There's this has not been a good handling of post international title Orange Cassidy who was a legitimate top tier champion in the company a workhorse, a guy that everyone was throwing their support behind. Missed opportunity. This was, this is booking malpractice. At the very least, I was like, uh, maybe he'll they'll do a win here. Not even that. He should have stayed off television. Should have sent him home. If this is what they're going to do with him, they should have just sent him home. It would have made perfect sense for him to take time off too. Heal up his body that had been banged up so hard. Like, I don't know. The, the missed opportunity. Oh yeah. And 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 as we're pointing out in the chat, you know, the 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 Bucks did do the belt collector gimmick 
IWGP Junior, Ring of Honor, PWG. Sure, let's do it again. My point is, let's do it again when they're on a national stage in their company that has the resources, the, the, the exposure to put these guys over and solidify their own legacy. That's my point. Because yes, sure, they've done this before. Running after the titles and just having everything dangling off of the short. Let's keep going. Swerve Strickland defeated Adam Page. What a goddamn match this was. Oh! My God! Finally, Shane Strickland gets put on a stage in a match on a stage in a match more like Warren that just allowed him to shine just a tremendous aggressive match and <clears throat> Paige played the heel they played to the crowd here come out get some cheers and the match starts off and everyone is behind Swerve Swerve got he gets the hometown crowd behind him he gets the pop he gets the reactions So what did they do? They stuck to the script and Paige was the good guy and... No, 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 no. They played to the crowd. Local heel, Hangman Adam Page. Just like it should be. No sticking to the script. It's like a couple of months ago. What was the pay-per-view that uh, you had Oscar uh, 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 and, uh, and Bianca Belair? Was it SummerSlam? I don't quite remember. But you had Asuka and Bianca Belair and the crowd was, or was it, no, it was Io Shirai. Excuse me. Io Shirai and Bianca Belair. And the crowd was clearly behind Io Shirai, but she's the heel. Bianca was the babyface, but the crowd wasn't into her. They wanted Io to win. And they stuck to that, right? Because in WWE, you've got this rigid format. You can't move away from it. You have to stick to it. Even though the crowd is dictating something else and you could get even bigger, better, stronger, more magnificent reactions. Nope, 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 nope. Right? Just as a recent example. And this here, you know, Adam Page is... Unless they decide to go down this road, which would be, I'd be surprised. But I, Adam Page is not going to come out on Wednesday on Dynamite and then do a you, cut a you people promo and then suddenly be, you know, evil heel, whatever. It's just, you work the crowd. You work for the crowd that is on hand. So what did they do? They did, and you know what? Page didn't even work. Swerve ended up working as a heel in this match, cheating his way to getting his, to, to getting the, the, the result he wanted. Paige stuck to his guns, despite it all, despite the fact that, you know, he was playing off the crowd, he was soaking it in, he was, you know, he was like, oh yeah, you know, he was, he was being a dick to the crowd, but he wasn't like an outright Heel, like he, a heel, he wasn't throwing low blows. He wasn't trying to sneak shit in. He wasn't, you know, throwing powder into people's faces. None of this. I loved the spot 
where Hangman Page wants to do the buckshot, but he needs the distance, right? Commentary was putting this over. So what did Swerve, what was Swerve doing? He was coming in close. And Page was kicking him, and then he come in close. And kicking again, and then come in close, and Page bit him! It's like, fuck, yes! And that was enough to completely, you know, get Swerve out of a, you know, put, get Swerve out of it, so that gave... Uh, page enough room to do a buckshot larry that was fantastic and then swear uh, uh, nana gets involved he puts um strickland's uh foot on the on, uh, on the ropes and referee uh, tries to get him expelled and in the the meantime he takes off his um his, uh, you know, his headband full of rhinestones, right? His headwear, his headdress, his band, his head headband, whatever you want to call it. He basically leaves it in the ring for Swerve to use it, which he does on, on, on Paige, but he, Paige still kicks out. So nonetheless, Swerve had to do two house calls and the JML driver to get the win. So... He, you know, even if he did cheat, he couldn't get the job done just by cheating. He had to use his, his finishers. So Paige still looks like a champ here. Because he wasn't put away by the secondary finisher. Hell, he had to eat two secondary finishers plus the finisher proper to be put away. This is tremendous. I, what a great match. Aggressive and it felt personal between them. And... Swerve Strickland. Look, this was... I'm trying to say too many things at once. I'm not surprised. I really thought Paige was going to win this. But in retrospect, I'm not surprised that they did this because Tony Khan likes to have people win in their hometowns because it makes them look like even bigger stars when, they're, when you have... An arena full of people just losing their shit because the whole the hometown boy won. He did it with Sammy Guevara. Uh, Ricky, yeah, he did it with Sammy. He did it with Ricky Starks. He's doing it with Swerve here, and this was, I, I'm convinced, this was a, a a a a top guy audition for Swerve. This was an audition for Swerve to see if he could hang as a top guy in this company, and he absolutely can. Your boy's been on this train for a while. Swerve Strickland, his ceiling is world champion. And I saw it in this match. What a tremendous fucking match. And look, we're gonna we're 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 we're, we're gonna talk a little more. And yeah, Lance Archer with the US title. That's absolutely a good, excellent point, chat. That's another very good uh, comp right there. All makes him look like a big deal, makes them look like a huge deal. And Swerve was so fucking good in this match. No one in this company wrestles quite like him. Find me a suitable comparison to how smooth and, and, and creative this guy's offense is, right? And I'm not talking like, oh, he's this technical wizard. No, he's smooth in how he executes things and how he transitions to stuff. And then he just has that thing. He has that thing that that in, in, indomitable quality that just makes him a top guy that when they brought Hit Row back 
just the, you know, the three schlubs, when they brought just the three schlubs back and they figured this was going to work anyway, you were like, no, it's not miss- it's not working because the fucking crown jewel is not there anymore. The guy holding all of this shit together is not there anymore. This, he's so good. Kill shot. He's so good. And, and I don't want to disparage the work that Adam Page has done here. Look, once again, Big Match Page delivers. His run on pay-per-view events is second to none in this company. This guy is always in the conversation for the best match of the night on every fucking pay-per-view he's on. He is always in that conversation. And even if the match himself itself is not in the actual conversation, such as the six-man tag that they had at Wembley, he is the MVP of the fucking match. He's the guy where everyone's like, Paige tore the house down on this one. Tremendous match. Look, here's the thing. Eddie and Eddie and, and, and Shibata was my early match of the night. Then it was bumped to this one. That became my match of the night. Billy Starks. Billy Starks? No, she was on earlier. She wasn't this late on. Ricky Starks defeated Wheeler Utah. We got Mox back on commentary here. Again, he was just tremendous. Just tremendous. Coming to cheer on a, a company his boys call his mad call matches for his boys in the BCC. Great way for Ricky to get some heat back too by doing this, beating a, a BCC guy. Now, does this mean the feud continues? Because he was staring daggers at Mox, right? In this one here, he was like, mm. you know what? After you know the te- the Texas Death Match and and this match here, and of course the the tremendous uh, strap match, it feels like Ricky has, particularly in this match, because you know there weren't any gimmicks, there wasn't any you know no it wasn't a no DQ stuff. I feel like in this match here, uh, Ricky had a um, uh, uh, Ricky had a uh, he he's hung on to this aggression. That Danielson got out of him over their, their their short series of matches. Don't you guys find guys, gals, non-binary pals? It, it feels like he's like he's leaned into it a lot more. He, you know, a little more rugged again, a little 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 stiffer, a little angrier, and I like it. And good stuff by Wheeler as well. You know, who's incorporating much more of this BCC mindset as he's wrestling, right? You know what? Especially, you know, you have Ricky doing the hammer and anvil, and you know, Wheeler's eating them, and he's and he's sort of he's get he's eating the elbows on the side of the head, but he can't help but try to look up at Ricky. He's like, "What the fuck are you? Are you trying to do this? You're doing it wrong," you know, kind of thing. I was like, you know, I I, I was like, you know, really? Because if if it. You know, I'll show you how Danielson does it. I'll show you how Claudio does it. Anyway, this was fun. It was a good little match. Big Bill got involved. It's fine. And then we had 
Brian Danielson defeating Zack Saber Jr. Just was an absolute, just a, just a treasure of a wrestling match, a joy to watch. This was just a, 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 a beautiful exhibition of professional wrestling, as believable as it comes, complete with well-executed, believable, logical, awesome psychology. You know, this was a dream match. They, they heralded it a dream match. You know, and the, the, the dopes, of course, you know, the what's the story dopes out there? You know, they were pissing their pants. They were, uh, you know, popping veins, trying to understand what all this was about. But this dream match for I think a lot of us was fair to say but I think I think it legitimately was a dream match for the two guys involved I think this first and foremost was a dream match for Sabre and Danielson and what they're just doing some fantastic stuff at first here they're doing double crab holds just like which Mox calls what did he call it sexual tantric stuff right there's a strike exchange where Zack Sabre Jr. goats Mox in, uh, not Mox uh, 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 Danielson into using his right arm you know the broken right arm with and of course Danielson does it and then of course Zack Sabre Jr. sees the opening and he just goes right for it right he just he, then he just works the arm. And this is classic. Classic Zack Sabre Jr. Who has curated this, 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 this in-ring persona of being a, a genius. You know, a, a, a wrestling genius. A guy who just understands how other guys work and knows how to, how to poke and prod at them and bring their defenses down, get the, get their emotions to speak for him where he remains cool, collected. He knows what he's doing. He's a manipulator. He'll twist your body sideways, but he'll also fuck with your head. And this is what he did here. And this is years of honing this character, this persona. So when I see him doing this to Daniel, I'm like, don't do it, Daniel. Son, don't do it. Don't do it. But he goes right in and he's fucked. He's fucked. That's, and I remember that's what I said as I was watching it. When Zach grabs the arm and then bends it over to stop it. I'm like, that's it. You're fucked. You're fucked, Brian. Danielson fights back, of course. And he works the leg. To the point where he, he hits this. Oh, this... Uh, uh, absurd looking um, dragon screw leg whip, right? The way that the knee bends, and I, I'm like, oh shit. Like, I was sure Saber was legit hurt on that one. Great stuff. We get an avalanche butterfly suplex by Danielson, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that is the only high spot of the match. 
we get European clutches. We're in and out of them. Zack Sabre Jr. reversing out of a cattle mutilation. They're working each other's weakened limbs. And eventually Danielson stomps him, stomps his fucking head in. Does two Busaiku knees. Gets the job done. Tremendous match. Match of the year candidate. Match of the night. But a match of the year. God damn. Nice to see you Paul Palumbo in the chat. Saying he was proud to be a professional wrestling fan. During and after this match. And I, I could not be any more in agreement. We've all had these moments. Where we're watching pro wrestling. And there's stuff happening and you're like, I really hope someone doesn't walk in right now because I'm going to have to explain this goofy shit. I'm going to have to explain why this is happening. But not here. Not here. Tremendous. A true wrestling classic. One which I believe... By the way, because Danielson, I'm, I don't know if you saw the, you know, the, 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 the post-match thing that they did, the tape that they did, where he's crying, he's saying, you know, he said, this is the, this is the match I've wanted to wrestle my entire career, and he gets all choked up, and I believe him, and he's a fucking worker, he's a worker, a worker's worker, but I believe him. And it took how long, it we needed to get Danielson out of WWE for this to happen. A decade of this man's career. This could have happened years ago. It's happening now. And this is, look, this is all for the best. Like you could not have, you could not have wanted this any other way when you, you know, in retrospect. These two guys working in incompatible companies for, for, for the better part of a decade, honing their craft, just getting better. And then finally meeting each other at, you know, peaks of their career. Apexes. You could not want anything better here. Like, let's say, let's say, let's say in, in, in another timeline, Zack Sabre Jr. signs with WWE after the Cruiserweight Classic, okay? Let, just humor me for a second here. Even if WWE let this match happen, even if WWE... Put Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan at the time, and Zack Sabre Jr. in the same ring at the same time. They would have never let them have this type of match. We wouldn't even have had this match. And then, Zack Sabre Jr., on top of this, what a fucking year he's been having. <coughs> but I've been, we've been talking about Zack Sabre Jr. here on this podcast for fucking months. His, his, his run as TV champion, New Japan World Champion. Let's call it the TV champion. It's what it is. His fucking run has been tremendous. Just a tremendous role. And Danielson as well. Uh, these are two guys who could be wrestlers of the year if you wanted to. Uh, Danielson's first quarter of this year, do not forget, he was on Dynamite on a weekly basis, giving us four, 
four and a quarter, four and a half star matches every fucking week. And then leads us into Revolution where he has an all-time classic with MJF. Takes a little time off, want to heal up for... For the for the for the big uh, for for the big uh, uh, forbidden door, right? Oh, it gets hurt. You know, we have some ups and downs. But every time Danielson is in a match, it delivers. Every single time he's in marquee matches. Zack Saber Jr. has been all over the place. Wrestling tremendous matches with everyone. From the, from the mid-carters of New Japan to the main eventers of AEW. And now he's gonna wrestle, he's gonna wrestle Osprey in a couple of weeks. In Rev Pro. Then the you know, and then of course, look, of course, there's Osprey throughout this for, you know, wrestlers of the year, but Hiromu Takahashi's in there as well. There's so many people. And they both are teasing to run it again. <laughs> what? Listen, 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 listen. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, I am so glad to be back this week. I'm so glad I didn't drop dead. Because we, we have to remind ourselves of something. Because sometimes it's really easy to lose sight. Pro wrestling, when it is good, it's great. When it's bad, it's the fucking shits. But when it's good, there's nothing else like it in the world. There really isn't. What a fucking treat this match was. And then, listen, you want to talk about, you want to talk about fucking treats. This match here, the Don Callis family defeating Chris Jericho and the Golden Lovers. This was a cool down match. This was like, hey, guys, we got to warm you up for what's coming. Jesus Christ, I thought this match was amazing. Just great. And super close to being a, like a match of the year for me. Like very, very close. There's a couple of matches like this on this card. Just tremendous stuff. Starts off, off great with, with uh, interesting pairing, super solid that leads into you know a great Chris Jericho hot tag off of a Kenny Omega uh, uh, babyface in peril spot and we get the gold we get stereo golden triangles by the golden lovers why does everything have to be golden lion salt by Chris Jericho we get some high angle Germans in this match right where then the, the safety police were like oh no their necks on the Kuta Bush his necks and we're like oh, you don't watch a lot of Puro do you you, you don't know about Kota Bushi. And his neck, his neck doesn't exist anymore. His neck is a ghost. His neck is, is it's just not a thing. Um, tremendous. What a tremendous chaos theory by Kanesuke Takeshita. It was, I jumped out of my seat. 
That was tremendous stuff. Shooting star pressed by Sammy Guevara to the floor, which was great. Eventually, we get Murder Ibu in the match, right? Who goes toe-to-toe with Kanesuke Takeshita to a huge reaction. People want Kota Ibushi versus Kanesuke Takeshita. They want it. Um, and, uh, of course, Murder Ibu kills everyone in this match. Sky Twister by Will Ospreay. All this shit happening. And I'm barely talking about Will Ospreay, if you can believe that. Um, who eats a Judas effect for Sammy, Sammy Guevara. He takes the bullet for him. And it all comes to a close when uh, when Don Callis runs in as the ref is distracted by Will Ospreay. Uses Floyd on Chris Jericho. Sammy Guevara gets the pin. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Like this is... We, we are in serious business here. It's at all the hallmarks of, of, of an incredible match. But... Too many great wrestling minds in this match. People who know how to put a match together. Omega, Osprey, Jericho. Like too many of these, uh, too many people who know how to put together a really compelling wrestling match for this to be anything less than excellent. This was extraordinarily good. I thought this, this trios match was bonkers beautiful crescendo but I've got quibbles <laughs> I have quibbles I think we need to have a conversation about Kota Ibushi because uh something ain't right something ain't right with our with uh, something ain't right with our boy uh, Kota he's uh nope Something's not right. And I think I think everyone in AEW knows something's not right. He's uh out of his three AEW performances this year, this was his best. He didn't look as confused or lost as he was in the uh Blood and Guts match. He wasn't in the way of things happening like he was at Wembley, but I think he was being guided along here, and you know I I think he I you know I think he's started working out again. <laughs> he he's starting to look a little more fit, starting to look a little more like the Golden God, you know that uh, that we all sort of um, that that we are that we all sort of know. But here's my thing. It, this is why I think there's something up with Kota Ibushi. We were leading into, very clearly, a match with Kanesuke Takeshita, right? Don Callis came out a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite. He had the painting, you know, of, of, of Takeshita murdering Kota Ibushi, right? And he was saying, Kenny Omega, I'm going to take away your heart, you know, Kota Ibushi, so on and so forth. I was like, ah, there we go. We're going to get Takeshita and Ibushi. And I was like, mm, is this going to work out? Because I haven't seen, I haven't seen the Kota Ibushi that we all fell in love with. I haven't seen him yet. I don't know who this guy is. This guy feels a little bit like a schlub. Uh, he's not putting it together. I'm not, look, I'm not convinced that uh, you'd tell me Kota Ibushi's washed and I'd be forced to begrudgingly admit that maybe he is yes acquiesce your statement let's put it that way 
I'm not sure that he's that he's still uh, that he's still a thing. Because I really feel like they were that we were heading into this match that uh, at this pay per view we were really heading into Kota Ibushi versus Kanesuke Takeshita one on one. It can still happen. Don't get me wrong. It can still happen. But I think. I think there's a bunch of people looking around at this backstage, looking around at Kota Ibushi, and they're like, yeah, maybe this isn't the guy we were expecting kind of thing. Not unlike a, yeah, you know, I'm drawing Hideo Itami parallels from a few years ago in WWE. But, look, there's an appetite by the AEW audience to have Takeshita and Ibushi go one-on-one. The appetite is there. You can see it. They stared each other down in the middle of the match. People went apeshit for it. That's what they want. Are we going to get it? Maybe. I thought we were going to get it at Wrestle at uh, Wrestle Dream. I think something's up. And Will Ospreay, we just got to say here, all in these fantastic spots, he's... He, he, I, has anyone realized that he's on the Brock Lesnar deal right now? He just comes in for a big spot in a big match and he goes home? This is going to be the big story of the next few months, right? Where is Will Ospreay going to go? And uh, I wouldn't bank on... Uh, I wouldn't bank on AEW being a, that secure, folks. I just want to put that out there for you. Anyway, this was tremendous, a tremendous, tremendous match. I want to say hello to F- Mr. Fretz. How you doing, Fretz, old boy? Member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. Very good to see you. Welcome. We're up to the AEW World Tag Team title match where FTR successfully retained their titles by defeating Ozzy Open. So listen, I'm about halfway through this match and, 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 I, and I'm watching a... I, I'm watching an... I'm, I'm conscious of this. All right? This is what I'm trying to... Very conscious of this. I'm watching a very competent, uh, well-done, dynamic, eventful wrestling match. But I don't feel anything. There, there, there's feeling that's missing in this match. And I don't know what it was. Because I've seen tremendous matches from both of these teams i've seen tremendous matches between both of these teams royal quest 2 last year was one of the best fucking match tag team matches i saw all year last year between these two people i i've seen you know ftr and the fucking briscoes like just tremendous stuff but here it didn't reach a high and I don't know what it was, but it was, it was a good match. Like, if you were to say, Warren, put a fucking star rating on it, I'll give it a four. You know, like, it was a great, great, great match. But, and there's some cool stuff like that. You know, the electric chair crescent kick was awesome, and Taz popped for it so hard on that one. That was hilarious. A powerplex that uh, leads to Mark Davis getting his wrist broken. That's not fun, though. 
And apparently Cash might have been, Cash Wheeler might have been injured in this match as well. And the match comes to an end when FTR hit a super shatter machine. I don't know. Are FTR okay? Are they okay? They seem upset. They seem, they seem uh, boo-boo face right now, right? Like since, look, I, I'll, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I feel like since Punk is gone, the, the, they lost the spring in their step. They've lost the, uh, they've lost the, 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 the spark. And look, I talked about it earlier. We're getting the Young Bucks and FTR4 and very soon. And I'm okay with this. I think this is, uh, I think this is fine. Absolutely, 100% fine. I, 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 back to basics. Let's put this on the Bucks. Anyway, I've talked about it. Let's move on. Let's move on to this fucking main event. Christian Cage successfully retained his TNT title in a best two out of three falls match against Darby Allen. What an absolute spectacle of a match. Just tremendous, dramatic. And I'm not sure what I'm getting myself into when Darby Allen pulls the turtleneck over um, over Christian's head and scores a pinfall like that. Not, at that point, I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? Are we smoke and mirroring this? And Despite, you know, following some near falls, Christian Cage gets in control and he has a good control segment. And then he tries to schmooze Nick Wayne's mom who's in the audience, right? And then, uh, you know, she tosses a, a drink on him, you know, she's pretending that she's into him, right? That she's like, yeah, yeah, well, here's my hotel room key. Why don't you come, uh, you know, no, none of that. She suckered him. Big tope suicida by Darby Allen. And Christian Cage throws him onto the commentary table. And then, then comes the spot where Cage sets the stairs parallel to the ring, right? And then he suplexes Darby Allen off the apron and onto the floor. You know, sort of dumps him, I should say. And then he goes and gets him on the floor and then he scoop slams him onto the, onto the steps. And if you're paying attention, you can hear Darby Allen saying, do it again. And Christian Cage, I think... He's defying his own better judgment here. I think this was a situation where you had the veteran hand here going, kid, I am not doing this because I am not going to be responsible for destroying your career. But Darby Allen, being a sicko, as mentioned in the chat, is like, no, motherfucker, do the spot like we discussed. Didn't say that exactly. So he goes back on the apron with Darby Allen and suplexes him off and onto the steps in a disgusting bump. 
a stretcher comes out. They're do, um, they're doing the stretcher job. He's like, oh, my arm and all this shit. Meanwhile, what is Christian Cage doing? I, uh, you know, he's got no more. He doesn't have a chance with Nick Wayne's mom anymore. So what does he do? He starts peeling off the 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 padding in the ring to expose the wood, the hard wood. And then when that's done, Darby is all strapped up on the on the gurney. Christian Cage frog splashes off the top turnbuckle all the way onto the gurney on the floor. <laughs> Another disgusting bump. So he drags Darby into the ring, does a kill switch on the wood, but Darby kicks out. Scorpion Deathlock follows by Cage. Allen fights out, lands a Scorpion Death Drop and a Coffin Drop, but Christian Cage kicks out. Then we get Bryce Remsburg who bumps. I don't know why we're bumping, why we need minuscule quibble, but I don't know why we need a ref bump in this fucking match. What does the ref need to not see here? I, I just look just throwing that out there Nick Wayne runs in there was a low blow by Christian Cage and Nick Wayne runs in and he takes the TV title away from Christian Cage who wanted to use it on Darby but you saw this coming you you a plus audience of this d-list podcaster you all saw it coming the minute that Nick Wayne was standing right next to Darby you know side by side with the title just ready to you think oh he's going to swing at Christian Cage no that's not what you were saying it's like oh shit that's it it's happening here comes the turn blam Nick Wayne cracks the TNT title across um, Darby Allen's head Christian Cage wins this goddamn match and continues his fucking reign look let's just go through the motions here Sting comes out because Luchasaurus is here and Wayne and Christian Cage they're all beaten down on Darby and then the lights go out and F FKA Edge appears you think you know him <laughs> the worst kept secret all Sunday Adam Copeland Runs out to save both Sting and uh, and Dar did I mention Sting was there? I'm look, I'm all over, I'm all over the thing, and and he chases off the heels. He has a stare down with Christian. You think he's gonna do a concerto? No, 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 no. Again, you, the A plus audience, you knew that you knew that Edge was not going to concerto. The icon sting. You knew this. Okay. Where to start? How about with Christian Cage? I believe, and this is not a bit, okay? I am being dead serious here. Just by looking, I'm being dead serious and yet I'm cackling like a jerk. But I'm legitimately being dead serious here. This is not a bit. I believe Christian Cage 
is one of the greatest pro wrestlers of 2023. It's not even close to being a bit. Everything this guy has done in this, in this company has been pitch perfect. Everything. He, like, there is not even a question that he is doing the best work of his career anymore. We can't even, we can't even sit around and go, is he, what about his 2007? What, what about his first year in TNA? What about when he, he went back to WWE? No, no, there's, the discussion is closed. There, he is doing the best all around overall work in this company in a mid-card situation that is outshining even some of the, you know, even some of the main event stuff on the, on the card. He's been tremendous. A methodical worker, smart worker. Gets the job done, knows what he's doing, and an unparalleled storyteller, both in-ring and outside, and a peerless promo. And tremendous. Hey, look, we're going to start compiling sooner than later our wrestler of the year lists. I, I can't tell you that Kristen Cage is not going to be in my in my top ten, at the very least. It just absolutely tremendous stuff, and he's. His creative in this company has been bar none. And he has a lot of say in what he does. Folks, a lot of what a lot of what you see on TV comes from him, is you know, directed by him, put together by him. I was sure they were going to give Darby the title here, hometown hero, etc. etc. But who can be disappointed at this idea of Christian Cage? I can't even be disappointed at the idea of Christian Cage holding on to this title and continuing this um, peerless run. I've, I've used the term peerless twice. Just tremendous. Tremendous stuff. Darby Allen, look, I'll tell you one thing. Darby's a sicko, and he will always be over. I'm at this point, Darby Allen will never not be over. And he could go on a losing streak right now, and he'd still be okay. And I'll tell you what. He could lose for the entirety of his career. He could be, he could be the eternal loser, and it would still work out for him. He would still be tremendous. He would still be on top. Just outstanding stuff by Darby. He could be, he could absolutely be the guy that just never wins. And then when he finally does win a big one, it's extra special. You know, not, not unlike, not unlike Eddie, you know? Eddie Kingston, where he's like, no, nah, Eddie Kingston never wins the big one. And then finally, you know? God damn. Well, we got to talk about Adam Copeland now. 
FKA Edge coming in with all his trademarks because WWE just let them lapse. It's like, yeah, bring it our superstar t-shirt. That can't be right. They're just, they're just itching for a lawsuit, ain't they? No, he's got all his trademarks. Good for him. Um, look. I know there are a lot of people who have a, 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 a an emotional investment in Adam Copeland. I am not one of these people. Um, not that I've, I don't, I, I've always liked Edge overall, but he's never been like, one of these, one of my go-tos. He's never been one of these guys where I've been like, fuck yeah, it's Edge. You know, drop everything. Edge is in the main event. Like he's never been one of the, for me, okay? We're just, just talking about myself here. You come here for my commentary, my analysis. This is the commentary part, okay? So for me, Adam Copeland coming into AEW is Interesting. Fun little spot. Got a tremendous reaction online and offline in the, you know, basically what I'm saying, live in the in the arena and everywhere else. Uh, and it generated a lot of attention. But, um, but I don't hate the guy. Like, it's not like, it's not like a wrestler that I, re that I really don't care about. Like, let's say, this had been a Randy Orton situation. I'd be like, what the fuck are we doing with Randy Orton? Or Matt Riddle. I'd be like, what the fuck is this? You know? You know, I see Edge come in and I'm like, all right, chill. This is fine. But I don't know. I'll be on hey, JPJ of the of Love Wrestling.ca. Nice to see you, man. Member of the Mr. Warren Hay Show on top of that. I don't know if Edge is going to be a significant business mover for AEW. This is something that I, 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 I don't know if this is going to be a thing. Not that Edge has never been a draw, I think... But it's been a while. It's been a long while. And his return to WWE, right? When he won the Royal Rumble. Remember that 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 era where he was... He had won the Royal Rumble. And then he was showing up on Raw and SmackDown and NXT. Where he was like... He was scouting the champions going... Which title shall I uh, ask myself which I should challenge for? Like that wasn't really compelling. And it doesn't... It didn't, it didn't generate tremendous business either, you know? I don't know, like, in a, in a period right now where ratings are very good for Dynamite, don't, let's, let's not bend ourselves out of shape here. Television's doing good for Dynamite. Television's doing good for Collision, you know, despite the doom and gloomers. Collision's doing tremendous. Um, and, um... And pay-per-view buys are, are 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 strong. They're you know they they have a good uh, uh they're, they're they're strong and they're 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 even. 
Attendance is the problem that AEW has right now. Is Edge a guy who can put the proverbial butts in seats? My gut, which is voluptuous, says probably not. But let's wait and see how this is going to happen. Let's see how this goes because... I'm, look, if Adam Copeland wants to come in and he wants to wrestle in AEW, and I think he said in an interview, right, where he, want, he wants to wrap up his career in AEW. Look, this is what he wants to do. He wants to come in and he wants to wrestle his best friend, the guy he broke into the business with, right? He, wa he, wants, to, he wants to come in and wrestle with his best friend and then retire. That's what he wants to do. He said it himself. I want to wrap up my career in AEW. He says, I love WWE. You know, I will always love the place, but this is what we're going to do. He sees the freedom. He was He's probably on the phone every week with Christian. And he's seeing what Christian's doing. What if he comes in and, he, and, and if AEW's freedom unlocks some stuff that we haven't seen in Adam Copeland in a while. What if that happens? That would be awesome. Which is why I'm which is why I'm not going too hard here. Which is why I'm not doing because AEW right now has proven if it has proven one thing is that it knows how to create second wins for older wrestlers, for guys who you think are have nothing much left to offer, but then suddenly just leave it all out there and have more than something else to give the, the, the it's rejuvenating it's different it's new look at Jeff Jarrett on the level that he's performing right look at Sting look at Christian Cage so I, I have to remain open minded about Adam Copeland here that maybe just maybe the shackles removed. He's he's got a lot more freedom. He's with his best friend again. And don't forget these guys. Do you remember their podcast, the Edge and Christian Power Hour, whatever the fuck you know? I who cares? That was a great podcast. It was always a great podcast. Their their sketch comedy show that they had on the network that was great too. These guys have great have great chemistry together. So. And Christian is more than proving that he has, that he's a great mind right now in, in the business, a great creative mind. He gets it. He knows what to do. He's in a terrific angle, a terrific story that's been going on for months. And now Edge is coming in here to add in an extra story bump, a little extra something where people are, are finally like, hey, you know what? This is really exciting. This is really exciting to see um, to see uh, Copeland and and Christian back together. And even I myself, I'm like, there's probably something there. There might be something here. But the minute, the minute that that Adam Copeland sits down in a ring. You know, with a with a single spotlight on top of him, with the rest of the arena darkened out to cut a thespian promo. I, I'm 
He can hit the fucking bricks, pal. He can take a hike. I don't want none of that shit. But I'm confident that's not going to happen. I will, I'll, you know, keep it an open mind here. And you know what? I have to point this out. I really do. Because you... You know, I wish... <laughs> I wish people realized the value of professional wrestlers being able to move around from company to company. Just like wrestlers used to do in the territories. Because it keeps every product and every pro wrestler fresh. The products don't get stale because you're always seeing the same people doing the same things and in the same angles and so on and so forth. And the wrestlers move around and they go to different places and they wrestle different people and they come back, they come, they, they circle back and they've got new things to offer. They've tried out different things in different territories. You know, I'm going to use the word, the territories. They go to different territories, they come back, they have something new to give, right? That's all we... There's seldom anything wrong with that. That's why New Japan sends their dojo uh, uh, graduates off on excursion when they're done. That's why they send them... Look at Tetsuya Naito. Finishes his excursion, does some stuff, doesn't quite work out, goes to, J goes to Mexico... And he comes back and he's completely reinvented into the mega star that he is today. If, if Tetsuya Naito doesn't go to Mexico to be a Rudo, we don't get LIJ Tetsuya Naito today. I fucking guarantee it. That's unquestionable. Hey, Mr. Minoan, nice to see you and welcome to the show. So it's the same thing here. People accusing Edge of not being loyal, being a traitor, crying. Ah, I've seen the TikToks. Christ, TikTok is a fucking wasteland. It's a wasteland. I know it's performative. Who cares? There's no value in this. No value. I hate AEW so much. They took my edgy poo away. Christ! I wish there were more of this. I wish there was more of this. Wouldn't it be nice if there were trading periods in pro wrestling with, you know, like if there was like a, a true major league and people would do trades like this. Look, Jade going to WWE is the best thing she could do. I think it's the best career move she could do. Good for her. But you know what? AEW is not going to come crumbling down. And Edge leaving WWE to go dip his toe somewhere else. To try something else somewhere else. Good for him. And WWE is not going to come crashing down either. Edge finally doing, saying, hey, I'm going to do what my friend Christian Cage did in 2005. 
I'm going to do it now. People need to grow the fuck up about this. And they have to realize that people moving from promotion to promotion is good. It's healthy. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for the wrestlers. It's good for the business. The status quo kills the business. We lived through two decades. Two fucking decades of one major league company creating a status quo in major league wrestling. And everything plummeted. The business had never has had never reached these lows. WWE was in the tank. It what did it take for WWE to start becoming a hot program again? How did what did it take? It took competition. It took another major league pro wrestling outfit for WWE to be even remotely considered a hot product again. Competition in this business is good. Status quo sucks. No one benefits except the people at the top. AEW is full of former WWE guys. WWE was the only place for pro wrestlers to make money for the past 20 years. Of course, there's going to be a substantial amount of pro wrestlers from WWE in that company. It was the only game in town. What the fuck is this argument? What are we talking about? That was AEW Wrestle Dream, a tremendous pay-per-view experience that if you have not watched, I would say this is safe money for you to plunk down and rewatch, or, not, or buy the replay is what I'm saying, not rewatch, probably see, tremendous. Top to bottom. Ah, maybe not top. You, you scoop away the MJF opener and everything else is just is just gravy and meat and potatoes. Mm. It's Canadian Thanksgiving this weekend. No, but it's a tremendous show. A tremendous show. You, you just... You just can't bet against an AEW pay-per-view. You, you, you really can't. You just can't. <laughs> NXT No Mercy is another show that happened this past weekend. Oh, God almighty. Uh, uh, September 30th, 2023, from uh, the Mechanics Bank Arena in Bakersfield, California. 4,954 tickets distributed good little group nice little spot for the developmental brand um i'll tell you what here's the spoiler like if at this point you're like uh warren okay just tell me what you thought about nxt and so i can go to bed um i didn't think this was a bad show I think there's a lot of good on this show. 
I enjoyed it. For the most part. But like, everything that NXT does, it always gets in its own way. To, to, to keep me from really getting into it and, you know, coming here enthusiastically and saying, yes, this was, this was great, you know, because it, it's not a great, it's not a great show. It wasn't a great show. I thought it was pretty good. How about that? I thought it was pretty good because the good on this show was good enough to Bowie, Bowie, not Bowie, that's David, David Bowie, but Bowie, the, the, um, the, 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 the rest of the nonsense. But then, look, here's the thing. I, I watch this show and then I see the reactions. And, and, and I have people that I consider like, you know, analysts and whatever, pundits. And they're going, this is as good as the takeovers is old. And I'm like, I don't think these people have watched a takeover of old. We're not even remotely close to the to the, the 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 golden years of the NXT takeover which was a a a, a an unmissable top tier uh, rallying cry for pro wrestling fans where everyone gathered on to these shows and were blown away every single fucking time like shows that just blew everything out of the water you, you all rem if you if you remember them You'll remember them as fondly as I do. Airing on Saturdays on the on the WWE Network on the on the weekend of a one of the big four pay-per-views, right? And and they'd just be tremendous. And everyone was always excited about them. And then the next day you'd be like, there's no way the main roster will top that. You remember that? That would be that's the discourse that would exist over this. Now watch this, and it's a fine show. But why are we, why is it that with WWE fans, when something like even starts to smell like something, you know, that, that, that might be a match of the year that's great or that gets you excited, it automatically has to be like, great. It has to be at the top. It can't be, uh, you know, you, you can't be middling here. You know, it's like, it's like, it has to be five-star or you're a bitch, you know? It's a, it's a four-star match. A four-star match is, an eight, is a great match. A four-star match is a great match. But if it's not a five... If Dave is not giving this five stars, oh, he's a bitch. But it's always the same thing. It's like, this new wrestler comes out and he or she has a great look and super charismatic. Push them! They're the greatest thing ever! They're so fantastic! It's the... What a revelation! What a prodigy! What are the... But they're not ready for these things. They, everything always has to be, with WWE fans, has to be at the top. The best. Uncomparable. Or you compared to the, to the truly great things. That... There's no in-between. We can't, like, just say... We can't have level-headed analysis and say, Well, this was pretty good... This will only get better. This, but you know, it can't be in between. It has to be. It, it it all it all has to be compared to the greatest things ever. This is a far cry. 
Anyone who tells you this is like one of the old takeovers from 2016, 2017, 18, you know, those glory years, 19, all of those glory years of, uh, of NXT, anyone who tells you that this is comparable to that is a liar. You should not trust them. Don't trust them. This was a fine little wrestling show, okay? But we are not, there was not, there was not a, 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 a Samoa Joe Finn Balor here. There was not a, there, there was not a, there was no Shinsuke Nakamura's, there was no Sami Zayn's here. That's all. This was a fine little show. But we are so far removed from what the takeovers, from those takeovers were. But this, again, it's, it's an annoyance that I have with WWE people where it's like, Something something they really like is suddenly compared to one of the greatest things ever. This has to be the greatest thing. It can't just be really good and stand on its own and like, oh, I enjoyed it for this. No, it, we got to get the hyperbole out. <laughs> the hyperbole. We have to get into that immediately. You see what I mean? And this is what's frustrating sometimes when it comes to... When, 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 when you when you want to have level-headed conversations about pro wrestling. People say, I know this was tremendous. It's... And look, there, there are people out there in positions that amplify these types of messages. So this is not just like rando fans. And I know there's people in the chat who know what I'm talking about. Let's get into it. Baron Corbin versus Braun Baker. Look, I, straight off the bat, I am confronted with two wrestlers that I feel complete indifference about. Like, like complete and, 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 and utter indifference. You know, Braun Breaker is a guy who was a victim of the pandemic boredom that we were all going through when it came to wrestling. Because he popped up as a prospect had that that Steiner energy that uh, that people were really into, right? And uh, that 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 people were really into. They thought, you know, he felt good. He felt fresh. And we were we were starved during the pandemic for anything like original and 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 that that just felt fresh because everything was. Oh Christ, it was the pandemic, folks. I don't need to remind you how we were all feeling back then, right? And he got pushed too hard, too quickly. Uh, he got pushed hard, too hard, too hard, too fast, too soon. And he got exposed. He got exposed. He got exposed for. Uh, he got exposed for being. Uh, uh, for for being too green, for just legitimately being too green, not being, a, not having a connection, so on and so forth. How do you rehabilitate Baron Corbin after years of being a goof? After being, you know, doing the suspenders gimmick, doing the, you know, the, uh, doing the, 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 the Chili's table placer gimmick, uh, doing the, uh, you know, the, the King gimmick and, you know, being, uh, being, uh, uh, uh buried by, uh, by Becky Lynch and the rock in the ring, having fucking, um, uh, uh, dog food being poured all over him. You know, all this shit. How do you rehabilitate Baron Corbin after years of this? 
How am I supposed to, to, to look at this, the JBL gimmick, which was temporary, but like, I couldn't, I can't, I can't, I don't care about this guy anymore. Like, why should I suddenly care about him? And I definitely don't care about him with, in regards to Braun Breaker, who, in fairness, I feel he's finding his feet with this gimmick, with this badass gimmick. I think it's so funny. Badass Braun Breaker. It's just like, you cut straight to the chase. No fancy names. You know, just badass. You know, so, okay. We'll just go, cut right to it. That's how we're calling him moving forward. It's like, you know, when they changed the, his name to Big Bill. You know, W. Morrissey, Big Cat. No, we're calling him Bill. Big Bill. Why? Because he's big. You know, I'm okay with this. So, in fairness, I find he's, he's finding his feet. But... He's still a guy who got exposed because his his, his skill set was limited, and a lot of us were looking at him going, "It's like, what kind what kind of creation, what kind of connection will he have with the fans?" And the fans ended up turning on him when the pandemic was done, which we a lot of us sort of saw coming because he doesn't have a crowd, he doesn't have any crowd connection. And look, this was a such a basic. WWE match, it, I don't know. I got nothing for you. It didn't do anything for me. They they did walk and brawls. Walk and brawls is one of the worst things. And look, it wasn't a bad match, but it's a match that left me completely indifferent. And I was just like, all right, stuff is happening. Guys that I don't uh, have no attachment to, like I do not care about. Let's just move on. Baron Corbin came in with a chopper. Now listen, if 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 we're if we're doing our best here, Baron Corbin won. By the way, defeated Braun Breaker. Right? You know, you're that that you know, you're you know, you're young up and coming superstars. Baron Corbin came in on a chopper, and we have to mention this, especially for later. But he came in on a motorcycle, vroom vroom, and nothing says nothing screams more desperate to me than a. How old is Baron Corbin? Then a an an older white dude on a chopper. How much is it? How how old is Baron Corbin? He's forty. Let's call it. He's a middle aged man, middle aged guy coming in on a chopper. That shrieks desperate to me. NXT North American title match. Trick Williams defeated Dominic Mysterio. <clears throat> Dominic Mysterio to retain, to become the new North American champion. Dragon Lee was the special guest referee. Interesting to note that the best worker in this match was a special guest referee. Um, Dominic stinks. There And this, look, this is my analysis of this match. I thought this was poor. I hated this match. And I'm going to tell you, I keep, I will hammer home until, until there is a complete and utter turnaround on this guy. But Dominic stinks. I don't even see it coming. Dominic stinks. And it is even more glaring when he is juxtaposed to a guy like Trick Williams, who is younger, greener than him, much less experienced, and yet comes off as much more of a star. 
This is something that I tell you more than often about Dominic Mysterio. He does not project anything. He doesn't get pro wrestling. And I know the big thing here is that, oh, the irony of, of Dominic, because we all know he's kind of bad, but it's kind of funny, and we kind of hate him. Boo! <laughs> I understand. The irony is going to wear off. And once it does, once this kid has to fly on his own, once, once uh, 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 Rhea Ripley stops, stops carrying his ass, he is going to crash and burn so incredibly hard. Back to my point here. He comes out and he's, he just walks. He's got nothing. And for some reason, people think, he's like, oh, he's going to improve. He's so young. He's not even that young. He, he, he's in his mid-20s. What are we doing here? Well, he's even older than that. Age, Dominic. Mysterio, he's 26. Like, we got to stop pretending he's in his 20s. We got to stop having Julia Hart conversations like uh, Julia Hart conversations for, for Dominic. And how long has this guy been in this company? Wrestling, top-tier wrestlers. His father, Seth Rollins. Why isn't he picking anything up? He just shuffles his feet to the ring. Even lackadaisical characters should be able to project. Look at Orange Cassidy. But he's just a schlub. He's just a guy. He's a guy in a t-shirt who likes to do flippy-doos. That's what he is. So when he comes in, so when you have Trick Williams, who is next to him, and listen to what I'm saying here. Trick Williams, tremendous physical shape, has charisma just oozing from his pores. Has does the has swagger, knows how to talk, and he's standing next to Dominic. I'm like, who's the star here? It's not hard. And don't get me wrong. I am not here sitting in front of you saying Trick Williams is the greatest pro wrestler of all time. He's a prodigy. He's a generational talent. He's green. Green as fucking gas. Which makes my point even more salient. <clears throat> makes my point even more salient. Because Dominic should not be in this position anymore, especially in the angles that he's in, the position he has in this fucking company. He's terrible. And this match wasn't good. And someone has to explain to me why Dragon Lee took a super kick to the chin, accidental, falls, off, falls out of the ring, and is acting like a ref. He's like got a glass jaw and he's taken out for like the entire final third of the match. Another ref has to come in to, to, to fill his shoes. What are we doing? So it's fucking Dragon Lee. I'm not, it's not even a bit. The best worker in this match 
the best wrestler in this match was the referee. No interest in this. This stunk. Only served to underscore the shortcomings of Dominic Mysterio. And we had an NXT tag team title fatal four-way match where the family, that's Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo, defeated and, uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, uh, the Creed Brothers, and Out the Mud. That's right, Out the Mud. Bronco Nima and Lucian Price, um, who I, had, I was not familiar with. New tag team. They have the whole San Andreas aesthetic going for them. And they came out on lowriders. Not, not the cars, bicycles. And look, I understand. I understand the representation, the culture. I know what they're going for here. But when earlier in the evening you have a guy coming out on a, an actual chopper, the two dudes coming out with their lowrider bicycles kind of yeah yeah i don't know but um listen not unlike the four way that we saw at uh the 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 tag team four way that we saw at uh, wrestle uh, wrestle dream eh, this is a eh. bunch of bunch of guys doing stuff but hey listen hey the creeds god bless the creed brothers brutus shoulder blocking everyone julius throwing northern light suplexes left and right like it's nobody's business crowd gets alive for this of course they do brutus does a cannonball dive off the top rope to the floor they do a bit with Tony D'Angelo, where he gets hurt and medical carries him back. But then, so he leaves Stax Lorenzo, Stax Channing, Channing Stax. Stax of Lorenzo Channings alone in the ring. But we know, you see, you see this bit coming. He comes back for the heroic, whatever. Look, and, and here's the thing. Uh, here's another guy who got exposed post-pandemic. Because again, there was a time uh, 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 Tony D'Angelo was on everyone's lips. It was like, uh, 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 just that's all. Everyone I was talking to was like, uh, Tony D, he's so wild. You know, what a great character. He's going to be great on Main Ross. But I, here's another guy who's been exposed. Very little crowd connection and not a particularly good wrestler. And good for him if he's at a point where he's like, he can sit out the rest of a match, come in for the heroic uh, save and get the win for his team without, while putting minimal effort in. Good for him. Look, I don't know what to tell you here. God bless the creeds in this match. The D'Angelo's retain though. I don't know, like, I guess this, look, it was, I don't want to give the impression that I'm shitting on it, because it, it really wasn't, it, 
The worst match of the show was the um, was the uh, um, was the four way. The, the, no, 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 not the four way. The, uh, the the North American title match that was unquestionably the worst match of the show. This was fine. It was all right. Good little match. Just too much stuff happening. I don't, I I don't care much for these matches, but you guys know this. It's a me thing. But God bless the Creeds. They were fantastic. WWE NXT Heritage Cup title match. This was the uh, the end of their of their 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 G1, their round robin here, where Noam Dar retained his Heritage Cup by defeating Booch in round six of this. Now, this was actually good. This was actually quite good. And I was really into it. Okay. I, I thought I thought the way they used the rounds gimmick in this match was tremendous. And we seem to forget that Noam Dar is a tremendous worker. So we got ourselves some British style wrestling going on here. And Butch, he's coming out here in this match and he is in full on bruiser weight. He's got, he's in full throwback mode. He's not Butch, he's Pete Dunne. He's Pete Dunne. He's he's Pete Dunne in everything but name. And he's doing joint manipulation, everything. Look, good opening round. Let's get to it. Good opening round. Second round goes to Dar because Meta 4, which is his stable with uh, Oro Mensa and Jakara Jackson and Lash Legend. Second round here goes to Noam Dar because Meta 4 got involved. You get it? Meta 4. It's a, it's a play on words. Meta 4. Um, in round three, Butch ties him up with, uh, uh, with a bitter end. So it's one to one. And then round four, things really start to start to cook with some tremendous back and forth from both guys. Uh, 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 Fisherman's driver by Noam Dar and Dar is saved by the bell from passing out from a submission that Booch had locked in. Um, just tremendous stuff. Round five has Noam Dar gaining a great fucking near fall off of a knee lift. Just fantastic. Uh, and uh, and we get a superplex by Booch and a brain buster on the apron by Noam Dar. It all goes to time again. And then round six has a cheap shot by Oro Menza and an overroller by Dar. Butch kicks out of it. Hits the Tyler Driver 97 because Tyler Bate was in his corner. A little bit of a British Strong style uh, 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 reunion going on here. Tyler, Tyler Driver 97 by Booch. But uh, 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 Noam Dar kicks out of that. Who gets his finger snapped. We get a bitter end. But then... And this is all building, and I'm into it. But then, what happens? WWE happens. The but the, not the butch, the, 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 the Gallus boys arrive, kind of out of nowhere, and they start distracting the ref, because the ref has to get distracted with things happening outside of the ring that don't concern the match, right? And this allows Joe Coffey to come in, to lariat uh, 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 Pete Dunn down, 
allowing Noam Dar to get the win. And I am so fucking disappointed in this finish. I was really, really ready to give this match, uh, to, to, to put this match over like into a four, four and a quarter, 4.5 territory. But this finish really, it sucked the wind out of me. Why, if there was one match on this card that could have just been completely devoid of any nonsense and interference, it was this one. Because it was just too expertly put together. Tremendous match until the finish. I loved it. Ilya Dragunov defeated Carmelo Hayes to become the new NXT champion. This, this ruled. Tremendous, tremendous match. This was a fight. An absolute fight. Physical, brutal. I love how Dragunov gets Carmelo Hayes out of his comfort zones. You know, where Hayes is, has this flashy, uh, flashy offense, you know, likes to do aerial stuff. But Dragunov, he's, a, he's another beast. He's like, no, I'm going to drag you down. I'm going to punch you down. I'm going to kick you in the face. I'm going to elbow you in the face. I'm going to chop you until you bleed. It's good shit. What a, it's, a, it's a tremendous match. Dragunov tries to go coast to coast. Carmelo Hayes goes to interrupt it like, they, like he did uh, in their Great American Bash match, which I, which I had liked as well. Tried to interrupt it with a code breaker, but uh, Dragunov counters it with a DVD right in the corner and then does the coast to coast. Just tremendous stuff. Outside-in suplex by Dragunov. God, he rules. He's, he, he just rules. Torpedo Moscow was in, interrupted by a code breaker. Dragunov then stumbles back into an H-bomb. Cut her off the apron by Hayes. But it's a super H-bomb. The, uh, the top rope forearm smash that gets the win. I thought this was tremendous match of the night absolutely tremendous stuff one of the one of the best matches that you'll uh, that you'll see in NXT this year I know a lot of people are calling this a match of the year and I can't uh, I, I, I I can't I can't I can't go down that route I don't I, I I've seen better Ilya Dragunov matches than this this is a great match don't get me wrong I don't think it's a match of the year I, I, I don't think he can five star this that's just me I really don't what a tremendous but you see here's the thing again this is this is what I'm talking about when I when I talk about uh, 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 WWE fans who are like this was great match of the year no, it, it doesn't ha it was great I don't think it's a match of the year you're just a hater. No, I love the match. I just don't think it was that great. You know, look at if you look at Ilya's body of work in WWE, he has five-star matches. <laughs> go look at those. And then come back and tell me. Uh go back and tell me that uh uh uh, uh 
that he's um go back and tell me that he's uh, good or not that this is a five-star match i mean go back and tell me that i, I and look carmelo hayes good little run um but you will recall that i i said on the podcast here with the way he was winning his matches and that they weren't very convincing wins, you know, and especially when he won the title off of Braun, you know, it wasn't a Braun breaker. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, a resounding win. I told you all, he's, he, his reign is not going to be that long. It's going to be short because I don't feel he has the confidence of management behind him. Because he didn't, he, he didn't have like this definite win over breaker. And um, so I'm not surprised that his title run has come to a uh, to a close so soon because I don't think he he had I don't think he had the thing I I, I don't think he had the thing and and the uh, um, and 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 as far as his career goes I think he's a I think if anything this title reign has kind of shown that. He's, I, I I think he has a solid career ahead of him. He's tremendously talented. I don't think he's a guy. I don't think he's a top guy. But this is WWE, right? This is a company that is convincing you that Austin Theory is a guy. So they can do whatever they want, really. But, you know, he's a overall better wrestler, better package, better presentation than Austin Theory ever will be. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to... Don't let me muddy the waters here. Carmelo Hayes is a far superior investment. <laughs> Much superior investment. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's not great. Like he's, he's going to be very good. He's going to be tremendous. Uh, he's going to be a tremendous addition to the roster. But he's going to be a a top level mid card guy he might get a he might get a sniff of a of a world championship at some point look they invent WWE invents world championships whenever they feel like it whenever you know uh, you know whenever they want so i kind of think he's I, I think he's good i don't think he's great and you know he's you're more than welcome to prove me wrong. Ilya Dragunov rules. But Ilya Dragunov... Ilya Dragunov is one of these guys that I don't know how... Because, of course, now, you know, people have been catching up to stuff that we've been... A lot of us have been seeing for years. It's like, put him on the main roster! Put him on the main roster! You know, not unlike... Not unlike Walter, right? And... He's a guy that I... I, I, I don't know if he's... I don't know how well he's going to translate to the main roster. Ilya Dragunov is a tremendous, formidable, incredible pro wrestler, okay? But I don't know, I don't know how he's going to translate on the main roster because, well, I mean, his size is one thing. His size is a thing and, you know, he's a, he's a little off-putting, you know? It's, uh, look... I thought this was look. Let's not distract from from the match here. I thought it ruled. Great match. I think I gave it. A, I gave it four and a quarter, and I think that's fair. 
Tremendous match. Match of the night. One of the best things I've seen on NXT in a while. Dominic Mysterio just recaptured the NXT title. I'll hit the, 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 sorry, the North American title. It's ridiculous. What? I, we're doing this live, of course. We record live on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern, and NXT's just wrapping up. And now, What? Roman is going to be on NXT next week. He said that Roman Reigns will be there to help train Braun Breaker. Train him for what? What did he do? Oh, look, I'm not surprised because we haven't had a chance to talk about the business of uh, of WWE, right? And the, the SmackDown sale and all that because I've been out for two weeks. But you know why they're putting all these stars on on, on NXT, right? Because I think USA is, uh, I think USA Network is a little, uh, now that they've secured SmackDown, they're not so sure about the other two shows, particularly NXT. So they want to boost up some ratings, make it look a little good for uh, for anyone um, for anyone else who might be interested in picking up Raw and or NXT. I'm, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not getting into deep analysis, but... Uh, and as Kristen pointed out, that's a very good point. Next week is Title Tuesday. So we've got the big head-to-head shows. So that's important to, to point out as well. By the way, just as a little reminder here as we go along, uh, um, uh, next week, the Mr. Warren Hay Show will not be on Tuesday. will probably be on Monday. I will let you know as we go along on my various communication channels, the Discord, the community tab on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on Blue Sky. I will let you know whether or not I'm recording the podcast live on Monday or if I'm recording offline and then putting it up for you to all enjoy. I'll let you know, but n- definitely not recording next week during the, the Battle of the Titans next Tuesday. Speaking of the Battle of the Titans, main event, Becky Lynch defeated Tiffany Stratton to retain the NXT Women's Title uh, in an extreme rules match, and uh, 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 I knew this wasn't going to be for me because these WWE no DQ extreme match extreme matches uh, they're 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 like baby's first hardcore match every time. It's not good, folks. Especially when you consider what we see on another nationally broadcast television uh, television promotion. If you come in and you tell me we're going extreme and you have rubber tools and you pull out a rubber baseball bat covered in rubber barbed wire, I, I can't take this seriously. There's not enough suspension. I cannot lift... My suspension of disbelief enough. Just don't fucking do it. You know what I mean? Don't insult my intelligence as a wrestling fan, which is an oxymoron. But don't insult it by doing this. Look, and it was really funny. Because 
uh, Tiffany Stratton pulls out the toolkit, opens it up, and she pulls out a wrench. That's the first rubber weapon that's used. And she swings it at Becky. And Tom Phillips. No, not Tom Phillips. Who the fuck? The, Vic Joseph. <laughs> Tom Phillips is... That's a whole fuck face. Uh, <laughs> Vic, Vic Joseph has the... He, he says... After she's done this, he goes, oh, and that is a steel, that is a wrench, that is a steel wrench that she just swung at Becky Lynch. And as he's saying the word steel, Tiffany Stratton threw the, the, the wrench in the air. And as he says the word steel, the wrench hits the apron and bounces off doing cartwheels and I am dying laughing tremendous and I know I hear I hear, I hear you oh but they don't have to do it for real they don't have to really strike each other with look at some point, you're either convincing me that these people are in a fight or not. That's the very essence of professional wrestling. Make me believe that you're in a... And you're billing this as an extreme rules. And you're pulling out rubber barbed wire. It's like, fuck off. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't pretend because it makes you look stupid. It made everyone in this match look stupid. The dolls. And the goofy barricade spot. This match was sloppy at times. This was not for me. This was not for me. And again, I like Tiffany Stratton and I love Becky Lynch. But everyone involved in this match looked like dopes. Just don't do it. Don't, don't, don't pull out the... Like, if you're going to do it... Let's flip this on the other side. Why would you... Why wouldn't they do it? I see this happening in AEW. I even seen the women bleed buckets. Remember the bunny? I sure fucking do. Hardcore plunder wrestler Anna J. You're gonna tell me... Oh, they don't have to do this. No, they don't. So don't bill it as a fucking extreme rules match. Don't pull out barbed wire weapons and 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 that are made out of rubber and rubber tools that belong in a little tykes kit. I'm not a moron. I promise. Hey, this is not for me. But here's the thing: is like. Like, even at times in here, like, Tiffany Stratton, she hits those beautiful moonsaults. Like, she, she, again, I feel like I have to, I, I have to parse everything I say when it comes to Tiffany Stratton just to make sure that I'm not shitting on her because I, I like her a lot. I like Tif Tiffany Stratton. But this is, again, someone who is not ready for the spots that she's thrown into. She, she just, she's not. She's still very green, but she's learning. She's improving. She's great. She's got the charisma. She like she gets it. Look at her when she started as opposed to now. And she is on an upward trajectory. And she is going to be a tremendous 
asset to WWE. And trust me, they know what they have with her. They're, they, you know, they, they, they're not going to screw around with her for too long. But everyone is like, she's so great. She's so tremendous. She's the greatest thing in it. Why can't we dial back our enthusiasm for someone? Not even dial back. Be reasonable about it. I'm, I'm, in, I'm enthusiastic about um, her future. I can, I can point out that well, she's not quite ready. There's still stuff she needs to work on. She's still a little green. Doesn't mean she sucks. Doesn't mean I'm bringing her down. Doesn't mean I don't want her to succeed. But you see, this is that's the discourse that you have with WWE fans. It has to be, everything has to be uh, 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 full-blown, uh, 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 pedal to the metal, 100 miles an hour, or, or, or you're just a hater, right? It's like people saying that this is the greatest women's match of all time. I, I've, I've seen this commentary with my own two eyes. Or one of the greatest women, women's wrestling matches of all time. I beg these people to watch anything else. I beg these people to watch anything else if they think this is one of the greatest women's wrestling matches of all time. I can't, I can't see it. It's, it's not even close to being true. But you see what I mean? They see something that, wow, this wowed me. So we have to go all in. We have to push the, the, the pedal all the way down. We can't just go, we can't be reasonable. We can't be level-headed. WWE fans are, it's the greatest. It's the best. It's all, it's comparable to the greatest shit that ever happened. You know, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair at Evolution is one of the most tremendous women's matches ever put on in that company. That's not, this thing here wasn't even close. Sasha Banks and Bayley, not even close to, this match, not even close to that. And we're not even going to start talking about AJW back in the 90s. We're not going to talk about Dump Matsumoto. We're not going to talk about Minami Toyota. We're not going to talk about Aja Kong. I like, I beg these people to watch anything, anything else. Good little wrestling show. And look, the women's match is not for me. It was not for me. It was just not for me. If it was for you and you enjoyed it, all the more power to you, but it's not for me. I, I just want you to have the clarity to realize that this was, it was not a great match. That's all. Not something great that you, you're going to remember, you're going to talk about it with reverence. It was sloppy. It was dumb. And made and it made fun of you by thinking that rubber that rubber weapons could hurt someone. That we we were literally LARPing as pro wrestlers here. It's like no, what are we doing? And no, because now it is time for us to get into the nitty gritty and preview WWE Fastlane 2023. It is a PLE event that is happening. This very weekend, folks, are you, did you know that? I, I don't even know if people realize this, that there's a fast lane thing happening this weekend. Um, good job, Warren, not being prepared. 
Fast Lane 2023. <laughs> um, it is happening this uh, this weekend, October 7, uh, from the Game Bridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, it is a five card, uh, five, five match card. It came up fast indeed. That's what happens in the fast lane. Um, let's just get right into it. Uh, uh, you know, on paper, on paper, yes, they do have a full match card. And on paper, this has the potential to be the worst WWE PLE this year. We'll see what happens. But this really has... Uh, this really has the potential to stink up the joint. Seth freaking Rollins will be defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. Now, as you may recall, I do my research. As you may recall, Seth freaking Rollins defeated Shinsuke Nakamura at payback. Now, uh, apparently, when the show went off the air, because you remember the show finished with Shinsuke sort of loitering outside the ring. You remember that? He was just hanging around. Well, when the show went off the air, apparently Rollins was making his way backstage and Nakamura attacked him. This was probably something they put up on social media. I mean, look, it doesn't matter. This perpetuated the feud. Um, the next night on Raw, um, or at least the next Raw, because pay-per-views, PLEs are Saturdays now for WWE. Uh, um, uh, Rollins was a little peeved and he challenged Nakamura to a rematch. Nakamura says, I'm doing it on my terms. Was And that was the real awkward one where Nakamura wasn't talking at all and you're like, well, what, what are they doing? What is this? What are we, well, what's going on here? And on the fall, and then uh, after, you know, uh, 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 there, there was a brawl and, uh, you know, they just fight over the next few weeks and, um, and then Rollins, you know, sort of insisted, hey, Nakamura, pick the time and place. And then Nakamura eventually accepted the proposal and chose a last man standing match. Um, I, I, I am of the belief that the, uh, I'm of the belief that the Shinsuke Nakamura North American power run has, uh, th- that ship has sailed. I think, um, I, I don't think the company has any faith or trust. Like, there's there's really nothing to glean out of Shinsuke Nakamura anymore. And you know, I, I you know, I thought the I thought the payback main event was kind of dull. I you know, it was it was a slog. It was plodding, and I I didn't think it was very good. I don't see how this is going to be very good. It's going to be a last man standing match with you know. You know, WWE no DQ rules. So all of this is already playing against me. Um, I think Seth retains. You know, Seth is very over. People sing a song. The Bloodline, a.k.a. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa, will be taking on John Cena and L.A. Knight, dummy, yeah. Uh, this is a story where John Cena showed up on, what was it, the September 1st 
edition of SmackDown. And Jimmy Uso came out saying, oh, the fans, they came to see me. You know, that kind of bullshit. And then uh, Cena said, Jimmy should have quit WWE instead of Jay. See, this was all in that, in that period where people thought that Jay Uso had quit WWE. Aren't they cute? And um, and then, um, um, yeah, he laid out uh, Jimmy. Um, then Cena was on the Grayson Waller effect. And then Jimmy came out to talk some more shit. And then, uh, and then uh, Solo Sokoa jumped in and he attacked, they, 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 they attacked Cena and that sort of created their bond because they were sort of suspicious of each other because everyone's suspicious of each other in the fucking bloodline angle, right? And then AJ Styles came in for the save and then we were sort of setting up for a, a tag team match and there was a contract signing and then, uh, Jimmy and Solo took out AJ Styles. So John Cena had no more partners until LA Knight came in and said, I'll be your partner. And remember John Cena sort of gave him the the rub. He endorsed him at the payback show in his terrible match against The Miz. Um, so, so this is where we're at. Yeah, I can't help but think that they're trying to use John Cena to save the bloodline angle. Is this the feeling that you're getting to continue to make the bloodline angle feel important and significant? Oh, look, we've got our top, our big time, the our big uh, part-timer coming in to take part in this. It, 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 you know, it's main event stuff, folks. Like, I, 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 I can't see this being a good match. I'm sorry. Io Sky will be defending the WWE Women's Championship in a triple threat match against Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Uh, ever since uh, SummerSlam happened, Damage Control have been feuding with Asuka and Charlotte. And uh, um, and then uh, Flair defeated Bailey to... You challenge Eel Sky for the title at Fastlane, and then uh, and then Oscar came out to assist Flair when Damage Control got involved, and then Bailey made the match, uh, accepted the match on behalf of uh, Eel Sky, and Eel Sky didn't like it. See, all of these factions all have distrust and 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 mistrust amongst each other, right? You got Damian Priest and Finn Balor, and then the, you know no one in the bloodline hangs out with each other or whatever the fuck. And and and, and Bailey here and Io Io Shirai are still at odds. Um, look, the the outlier in this match is Charlotte Flair. If Charlotte's on a good night, this is going to be a good match. If it's not, it's going to Io and Oscar are going to have to do a hell of a carry job. That's all there is to it. I don't know who... Listen. Jade Cargill comes in and goes after Charlotte Flair. Don't forget, Charlotte is supposed to be a babyface, even though she is a terrible babyface. That makes sense to me. Charlotte Flair winning the title. 
Rey Mysterio, Santos Escobar, and uh, one other guy of the Latino World Order will be taking on Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, who are now like they're they're the new Hurt Business. Anyway, they've been they've been feuding back and forth, and and the Street Profits are in the Street Profits are in this 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 move where it's like Bobby Lashley wants them to prove themselves, right? It's like oh, if you guys can't beat these guys, I might look for see it's. It's all the it's all the same stories in all of these angles. It's all people who don't trust each other. It's a, no one's a friend. Always you know, It's all the same thing. I don't, I, I don't know what to think of this. Then the judgment day team of Finn Balor and Damian Priest will be defending their tag team titles against Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. So, okay, let's just recap this. We just mentioned it, but we're going to recap this. Jay Uso quits WWE, right? Then Cody Rhodes shows up at Payback. Wasn't it at Payback? What pay-per-view was it? Or was it SummerSlam? I think it was... Who the fuck cares? He shows up. And he's at the Grayson Waller effect. And he says, I had to pull a lot of strings for this to happen. But I, I'm Jey Uso's coming to Raw. And then Jey Uso comes out and everyone loses their shit because he's going to Raw. And apparently, you know, the brand split is still alive and thriving in the minds of people. I don't understand why people just never learn their lesson. So, this is all fine and dandy. Jey Uso, <laughs> so, Cody Rhodes, and he said it, I had to cash in a lot of political favors. <laughs> Cody got worked. <laughs> he got worked if he cashed in political favors to get a guy in from one brand to another brand. Uh, but, so the story they've been they've been telling here, all right? This the story they've been saying in this regard has been Jey Uso because of his affiliation past affiliations with the Bloodline is mistrusted by the Raw roster. Right? They're not they're not sure that some people feel like, you know, he shouldn't be there. That Cody got pushback for bringing for bringing Jay Russo, Jay Uso, excuse me, slip a Freudian slip there. Jay Uso back to Raw. He got a bit of pushback uh, because yeah, Jay Uso. We you know we're not so sure. Matt Riddle though. It's fine. Um, but Cody, good guy Cody, ascertains that Jay is going to... He's he's a, he's reformed. He deserves a second chance. Everyone... That, which I can get behind. It's all just so fucking funny. And the Judgment Day tried to recruit Jay. But he, he, he told him to... Take a take a hike. So then Jay was attacked by Judgment Day, of course, because that's how it goes, and was saved by Cody, 
his only friend on Raw. Jay getting the old Rhodes rub here. Not unlike Eddie Kingston and Ricky Starks and um, Warhorse and Brody Lee and Darby Allen getting the old Rhodes rub here. Malachi Black. <laughs> Sunny Kiss. Jesus Christ. Uh, so, so basically, they're, 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 this is the story of how their team came together. Oh, guys. Gals. Non-binary pals. I think the big question here isn't like the big talk of the town. Is Jey Uso going to betray Cody Rhodes? Are we get... Is this, a, is this all the stories we can tell in WWE? Betrayals, betrayals, betrayals. Betrayals, suspicions... Proving each other's, proving yourself to someone. Look, all I know is that there is going to be a lot of cinema in this match. There is going to be a lot of cinema and I'm going to get fucking annoyed at it. Everything is bloodline. And I'm not kidding. Look at all these matches. Everything is bloodline. Except for Rollins and Nakamura. Fast lane. I'm gonna watch it. I'm, I'm I I I would feel like I'm doing you all a disservice if I'm not watching this. But look at this card. Let's just wrap this up by saying that. Look at this card and tell me that this does not have the potential to be the worst WWE pay-per-view of the year. PLE. Main roster. On paper. Looks terrible. Uh, might just suddenly turn up and we have something absolutely phenomenal. But John Cena, LA Knight, Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, that's not the work rate special. If you know what I mean. Freaking and 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 Shinsuke might not even register as anything interesting. If it, their match at Payback, I thought it I it was plotting and boring. I thought it was a I didn't it was a snoozer. The women eh, will depend on how Charlotte shows up. 
Maybe the sick the trios match has some potential. Like Cody's gonna do Cody's gonna work hard in this fucking tag team match. We'll see how everyone else sort of combines, but you can at least guarantee that Cody's gonna work his ass off in the tag team match. But this really has the potential to be one of the worst. This really has the potential to be the worst WWE PLE of the year. And let's wrap this up by talking about previewing, I should say, the end of the Destruction Tour in New Japan, the last tour before we get onto the road to Wrestle Kingdom. New Japan Destruction in Ryugoku. We're going to be at Sumo Hall on October 9, of course, in Tokyo, Japan. Got the just five guys in a trios match. Taichi, Doki, and TBA taking on the House of Torture trio of Yujiro Takahashi, Sho, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Um, and uh, well, since we haven't spoken in a while, Yoshinobu Kanemaru turned on just five guys a couple of weeks ago at the uh, at the Destruction in Kobe show uh, last week. Yeah, and. <laughs> And he was a five star, a five star, a five guy OG. And uh, he attacked Tai Chi, uh, causing Tai Chi to lose the King of Pro Wrestling title to show. Uh, by the way, I am not excited for the future of King of Pro Wrestling with show. Uh, and the King of Pro Wrestling has been a very, has been good. Let me say that again. King of Pro Wrestling title has been a title that's been made by the person who holds it. The Shingo reigns have been tremendous. Tai Chi's reign, maybe not this one, but his previous one, it's tremendous. The Yano stuff can hit the bricks. Um, so I'm not excited for the show era of King of Pro Wrestling. But earlier this week, um, I think it was, was it Sanada or was it Takamichinoku? doesn't matter. They said that they're going to be, that they're still going to be just five guys. They're not going to pull out the old just four guys merch. They're going to go back to being just five guys because they're going to be bringing out a new member at uh, the show on October 9 to team up in this, uh, in this trios match, which I will assume that just five guys is going to win. Tai Chi, Doki, and TBA. And of course, there's a lot of speculation as to who the TBA is going to be. And um, and it turns out, well, I mean, I don't have any inside information, but the, you know, the betting odds favorite is Yuya Yumura, who a lot of people were convinced was not going to return to Japan. He was going to stay in North America after his impact stint. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's gone from, uh, you know, he did the Feast or Famine gimmick and he's gone from um, from Impact. So there's a lot of people thinking that he might show up there, which would be tremendous. Because Mira is, uh, I think there's a lot of upside to him. I think he'd be a good fit in this group too. Uh, it'll be fun to see him in there. Uh, and as I answered a little earlier in one of the Q&As, that you may not be privy to if you're watching the watching this on demand or, or, or the podcast. Um, I was asked this question on the community Q&A segment. And um, uh, I, I would even go as far as to say 
Taiji Ishimori. I think that would, you know, I think a lot of people are, are, you know, want to be excited about this. I would say this is the kind of situation where New Japan usually then, not usually, but then has a a tendency to go, well, we're going to pump the brakes on your excitement here. Here's Taiji Ishimori, which would make a lot of sense, don't get me wrong, getting him out of of the New Japan, uh, not the New Japan, the uh, uh, Bullet Club nonsense, just giving him a, a fresh start into something else would be good. Um, and if the, if we really want to go rogue here and get excited, uh, Katsuhiku Nakajima. Did I say Katsuhiku? The hell? Katsuhiko Nakajima, uh, recently released, uh, not released, but, uh, recent free agent, uh, after departing Pro Wrestling Noah would be a really interesting addition. Now that would be a top tier surprise. And would be pretty fucking bold. Um, I, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a it's a little far fetched. It's a bold prediction. But uh, yeah, you know, just five guys here have to win. Just five guys here have to win. If they're debuting a new guy, then we have a special singles match. So very special. Tongaloa taking on Chase Owens. Couldn't give less of a toss about this. I'm being, I'm pulling out my British vernacular here. That's how much I don't care about this match. I'm trying to give it a, I'm trying to give it an international flavor. I could not care less about this. I don't give a shit. The LIJ team of Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Yoda Suji, and Bushi will be an eight-man tag action against the United Empire group of Jeff Cobb, Great Ocon, Hinare, and Callum Newman, who is uh, who has uh, started working uh, in New Japan. Something tells me he might be uh, he might end up on uh, some kind of uh, some kind of uh, tag league for the world. Just, but yeah, yeah. I mean, this this. You know, I like the LIJ eight mans. And you got Naito, you got Shingo. It has all the elements for me. Um, this will be fun. And it might set up some stuff for Suji or Shingo for the, you know, for the rest for Wrestle Kingdom. Or it may may not. Like Cobb, Great Okan. Maybe revisiting Shingo and Great Okan. You know, Shingo beat him a couple of weeks ago. Maybe Great Okan wants a little more out of this because I think... I feel like they might be starting to tell a story where Great Okan feels like he has to prove himself, like he has to rise himself back to the top kind of thing. A top that a lot of people thought he was going to clutch onto and just never let go. But uh, the push hasn't quite been there. I don't know. Are we doing Suji and Jeff Cobb on to Wrestle Kingdom? That feels like a bit of a downgrade. But then again, a win for Suji, who he has to... I don't know. We'll see. Clark Connors and Drilla Maloney, aka Dan Maloney, will be taking on the intergalactic Jack Setters, Kevin Knight and Kushida, to defend their IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. I, this should be fun. Should be fine. Kevin Knight. Kevin Knight has been um, growing exponentially. Um, he's gonna. He's a prospect for New Japan. This should be pretty good. I predict 
uh, I predict the uh, uh, um, you know, I predict the uh, that the war dogs that Connors and Maloney here's my solid prediction here they will they will flaunt the titles at the level of their crotch and swing them around like they're gigantic penises I think they I think they might do that Master Wato, Shoda, Umino, and Yuji Nagata will be taking on Strong Style, Minoru Suzuki, El Desperado, and Ren Narita. Six-man tag match. This will be the final match of their best of seven series that they've been having throughout the uh, the Destruction Tour. Uh, and I'm excited for this coming to an end. Of course, they're tied. This will be the deciding match. Let's go. Uh, all people I like in this. Like to love. Got Shota, you got uh, Suzuki, Desperado, Nagata. Those are like those are my top guys in here. I I love Narita. I love Master Watto. This will be a blast. What are we doing here? Been a good series too so far. Let's go. I'm excited for this. This was a nice little distraction on the tour. This was a this was actually this was something very simple that had like no top level top tier. Um, uh, that had no top level top tier situations you know where you oh there's titles involved or just guys wanting to kick the shit out of each other and I loved it then we have uh, Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd defending their strong open weight tag team titles against uh, Hikaleo and El Fantasmo I'm not quite sure what to make of this I love I, you know Gabe Kidd El Fantasmo I love them I don't know what to make out of this. I wouldn't discount Phantasmo and Hikaleo getting the titles here. Because for some reason we're we're, we're going to we're going to push Hikaleo here. Are we missing the boat on the Phantasmo babyface turn? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like hanging around the Gorillas of Destiny is not doing him any favors. Let's put it that way. All right, now. Now. We're in the business end of this fucking card. Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Tomohiro Ishii will be defending the six-man never open-weight tag team titles against the Motor City Machine Guns and Josh Alexander. Now, you're going to tell me that this is not just beautiful booking you're going to try and, and convince me that this is a bad thing? We cannot be friends. God damn. This is Impact telling New Japan. Hey, you know that uh you know that that six man tie that six man match you had with uh Mox and you brought in Claudio with uh with Shoto against Against the champs. You think we could do that with uh, some of our guys? I love, I love, 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 love that New Japan has this great relationship with AEW, but this great relationship with Impact too. Because all the best of Impact goes to fucking, goes to fucking New Japan. Nothing but the best. 
and you're sending a fresh off injury leave Josh Alexander who's champing at the bit Alex Shelley Chris Sabin against these guys Ishii and Alexander laying into each other what are we even doing here what are we even doing this fucking rules this rules now this begs the question and you can beg this question very seriously do they drop the six men titles to these guys probably not but at some point it begs the question Kazuchika Okada going into Wrestle Kingdom as one third of the uh, uh, of the never open weight six man champions. What? What? Like they're going to have to drop these titles at some point, right? Or, or is this going to be defended at the show? Because listen, there's an keep this in mind. Look at look at what I said previously, right? The, the previous one of the previous defenses that they had of the six man of the uh, of the six man titles uh, against Mox against Claudio and against Shota uh, that was a big time match now against the uh, Shelley Saban Alexander another big time match so do we have something in store are we adding some prestige to these six man over never open weight titles by having these really uh, strong out of the blue competitors coming in here to get these titles is it going to be a bunch of people from outside the promotion look I don't know but this like these titles feel significant maybe this is the plan that we're going to go because this you know this is a good way to put Tanahashi on Wrestle Kingdom this year, but avoid him having to pull a singles match. And it's a great way to get him on the card. And, you know, we're in reconstruction. We're, you know, building new stars. It's going to be uh, Naito's night. Uh, maybe Okada can take a back seat this year a little bit. I think it's all okay. Whoo! Let's see how this goes. Dave Finley will be defending the Never Open Weight Championship against Tama Tonga for the, I believe, the 700th time. Uh, we've been spinning our wheels on this on this feud. Uh, it Look, it has to go. Look, here's the thing with David Finley, and I, and I like what they've been doing with Finley, but they need to... They, Something big has to happen here for him. And I think getting him out of the never title situation is going to be a boon. I think I think Tana is great for that. Let him let him let him do his thing over on the never side of things. He's a Japanese love him as a baby face. It'll, it's fine. But Dave needs to he needs to start sinking his teeth into bigger things and if he just keeps hanging around the mid card as the leader of bullet club there's something at some point that's not going to click 
is Gato having cold feet? Is it not working out the way he does? I think it's going to be very indicative of his booking moving forward if he retains the title here. Hiromu Takahashi will be defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against Leo Rush and Mike Bailey in a three-way match. Don't call it a triple threat. Um, I'm excited about this, but I'm also disappointed. At the All-Star Junior Festival this year in, in, in the U.S. one in August, Mike Bailey challenged Hiromu for the title. And I was like, this fucking rules. Then at the Multiverse of Madness, Multiverse of Madness show, an impact, Leo Rush challenged Hiromu to a match. Which I thought fucking they had one of my favorite junior matches this year. I think this is tremendous. Let's go. But then, and then and then I was like, what a great path to Wrestle Kingdom, where you got where Hiromu has got two of the top juniors in the world in his in his way. And he's got to go through Leo Rush. He's got to go through Mike Bailey. You do one in Ryu Goku. You do another one in Kobe. But no, we're doing a fucking triple threat. Uh, Three-way. And you guys and gals and non-binary pals know how I feel about multi-person matches for your championship titles. It stinks. So, here's the thing. These are all three guys who are having banner years in all of their different promotions and and even their 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 uh their combined promotions as well <laughs> um i'm um i i wish they had done two singles matches so that both bailey and leo rush could just like really sink their teeth into it it's hard for me to be super down on this and I don't find New Japan multi-man matches like this are really all that good. But we got a couple of North Americans here in this to help guide it along. Who've done a ton of them. These guys are too good for it to stink. But uh, I don't know. I'm a, like, I'm just a little disappointed at it. But I'll probably be back here next Tuesday. Monday telling y'all how great it was probably I, I just wish it was another path I think Hiromu retains and then the main event Sonata will be defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against Evil in a Lumberjack match I absolutely loathe Lumberjack matches I think they're dumb they haven't been done well in years it's stupid I hate lumberjack matches. And this is Sonata's big last defense before getting into Wrestle Kingdom. And everyone is like, oh, well, it's a shoe and it's a shoe. But you know what? You know what? You know what? Don't put it past New Japan to put the belt on evil. And this is actually what I'm what I feel they're gonna do. And I'll we're gonna double down on this. There's two reasons why I think they're going to do this. The first reason I wrote about it in an article and for Voices of Wrestling. You could also go check it out. And I, trust me, I will be victory lapping throughout the entire week if they do this. I wrote an article. 
It's like, it's time to, let's belt up evil again. Let's belt up evil, put him in front of a crowd as a world champion because he was a champion during the pandemic where no one was around. Not just not, not just clap crap, no one. So all us nerds got really upset when he won and started the shenanigans with the House of Torture and it was just bullshit. And pandemic wrestling was just hard enough to stomach as it is that we had to go through all of this garbage on top of that. No, it was not fun. It was not a fun time to be a an aficionado of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But then crowds come back. Of course, he's no longer world champion, but the heel shtick is working. The crowds are into it. They hate it. They want to hate him. He gets huge reactions. As is pointed out in the chat, he's getting bigger reactions than Sonata. So just do the experiment. Let's try it out. Let's see Evil, world champion, going into Wrestle Kingdom in the dome. Let's just see. Got nothing to lose. It's not as if Sonata is going to be the draw. But the second reason, and I think the most plausible reason that they're going to do this. Evil, Takaki Watanabe, was Naito's partner, had his back when Naito returned from excursion in 2015, when Naito fought uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi for the um, for the uh, for the, the the IWGP uh, title shot at Wrestle Kingdom 10. Wrestle Kingdom 10. So, of course, that wasn't officially when LIJ started. That started when, I think it was the next night. I, like, timeline is a little mess, messed up, but it, then it started when, um, it, it started when Bushi was there. That's when they actually formed LIJ. But Rudo, LIJ, Naito, came back that night and one guy had his back and that was evil. You know New Japan likes these types of stories and I do too. You dig into the history and you pull out this OG member of LIJ, a guy that Naito put his trust in, they bled together, they worked together, they traveled together, turned his back on him, and now he is the guy standing in front of Naito to try and keep Naito from accomplishing his dream, his goal, his target of winning the IWGP World Championship in the Dome and doing the LIJ roll call in the Dome. It's that guy, that scumbag evil who has whose history is intertwined with Naito's. I can't think of a better story. I can't think of something more compelling to, to put together here. Do not, do not consider Sonata a shoo-in for the dome. I think it is irresponsible of you. <laughs> now he might win. What I'm saying here and I hope I made my point clear, is that there is a legitimate 
an interesting uh, way for evil to make his way to the dome. Remember, unless Gato is decides to become to to unless Gato decides that he is going to become the greatest villain in pro in puro history. Wrestle Kingdom 2024 should mark a win by the biggest babyface in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Tetsuya Naito, I think it's written in the stars, is winning that fucking title in the dome on January 4th this year. Next year. I think that's a given. They just need to give him the villain. I don't think Sonata's the guy. I am not on the Sonata train. I gave him a shot. He does nothing for me. Does nothing for a lot of yous, twos. I, I, the more you think about it, the more evil in the ring makes sense. And I promise, I will take a victory lap if this happens next week. What are the two victory laps I, was, I said it was going to take? What was the other one? Uh, victory lap for this and a uh, uh, fuck. What was it? I can't remember. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Unless chat can remember. There was another victory lap. That I, that I wanted to take if something happened. I can't remember. That doesn't matter. Anyway, don't, do not discount evil winning. That's all I want to say. And that's going to be the Ryo Goku. Not, yeah, the Ryo Goku show, Sumo Hall. Uh, this uh, Monday, October 9, right? Yep. Um, of course, I'm going to be reviewing it. I'm going to be reviewing Fastlane as well. So uh, we've got, uh, we've already got half the show already set up. So I'll be excited about that. And I hope you'll excited you'll be excited about that as well. And uh, as it stands right now, we are going to uh, wrap everything up by uh, ending the weekly wrestling inspection. I might sleep in tomorrow. <laughs> Big ass stream, of course. Because I wasn't around last week for the past two weeks, so felt good. Felt good. I had a lot of pent up frustration. Needed to get all the podcast love out there. And I want to give you all love for those of you who are watching live still right now on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. I appreciate you tremendously. Uh one last a pitch for a like and even if you're watching on demand right now uh, a like and a subscription here would help out tremendously those things help us out uh, help us little teeny weeny creators um, it, it helps out tremendously grow our stuff so if you wouldn't mind that would be very much appreciated if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application um, reviews on Apple Podcasts ratings on Spotify five stars 
if possible. Also help out tremendously. Don't forget, I will be back on uh, Thursday for the uh, for the Dynamite review, back on Sunday for the Collision review, and keep in mind that next week, uh, I will not be recording the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Tuesday as it is, as, uh, it is titled Tuesday in AEW uh, going head-to-head with NXT, so we're not doing that. I will be back on Monday for the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper, so mark your calendars, tell your children, call your mom, that's exactly what's happening. In the meantime, I want to wish you all a lovely, wonderful rest of your day, evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Thank you so much for being here. That's not the right thing. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a long stream. I'll see you next time. <laughs>